So, right. I've had my son run in after bath time, buck naked, and try to hop on the mic. Yes, here you go. We jinxed it. Yeah. So, don't worry. That's the edit- editing process. It's all good, man. He's bobbing his head. I like the energy already. Don't be afraid to spit some bars if you feel like so, sir. <laughs> that, that's just, that just, that's yeah. just in the shower, man. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, looking forward to this episode of A Hoop's Journey. Not a man I want to say slept on, but a man I want to bring back to the Canadian people. This makes me feel really old as I look at him aging very well. Um, he doesn't know, but uh, when I was a young buck, starting out my coaching career and, and uh, had the opportunity to coach the BC team, he did some damage on us at the, uh, the U-17 Games. Nationals. Yeah, at the Canada Games, yeah. <laughs> and kind of had my eye on this name since then because I was so impressed with his skill set and his ability to play the game. And um, this is going to be fun. We're in the middle of March Madness. We have a former Syracuse Orangeman with us. Uh, sixth man of the year, you know, first team, all Big East. Uh, made the tournament three times, I believe. Four, drafted, yeah. four, there we go. Drafted in the NBA, a, a real hoops journey, um, all the way down to Maine and the Red Claws to overseas. And now the cool part, you know, if you follow him on his Instagram, giving back to the game and getting involved in the coaching. So, you know, he's got that sickness that we all do. <laughs> only this. <laughs> but we have none other than Mr. Chris Joseph with us today. How are you, sir? Yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate coming on. I appreciate you uh, bringing me down memory lane, too. You know that those Canada games were were amazing. So just you saying BC, of course, Rob Sacre was was my guy, yeah. still is to yeah. this day. So you bringing that up really brought me back there. Yeah, man, shout out Big Robbie. He was so fun yes, to sir. have on the team. What a character yeah, that could, guy is! I could, I could imagine. I already know Rob is the <laughs> man. Seriously, he really is. Yeah, he's a good dude. And then it's your fault. You know, you you messaged us when you heard the episode from Olga, the legend herself. And then I was like, man, we've got to get this guy on. So how's life, man? How's life treating you? You know, it's been a pretty wild year and a half, two years for everyone. You got a young family. How have you been able to find balance and, and what's going on in your life these days? I can't complain, man. You know, first and foremost, I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. You know, my fiance, she's healthy. So that's first and foremost. So um, I'm happy about that. You mentioned, you know, it being wild the last couple of years. And, you know, you're right. Everybody had to make adjustments. I remember when uh, I was in France playing in Pro B when, you know, COVID broke out the, you know, initially. And I was stuck there for a while because all the flights going back into Canada were, were canceled. So everybody, it was kind of wild for a bit. Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, that following year, get a gig playing in Spain, in the second division in Spain. So that was cool. I wasn't expecting to go anywhere um, because I was actually hurt that year in France and I was able to pick back up and play. But today I'm doing well. I do a little bit, uh, a little bit of podcast and I guess myself, uh, me and former Syracuse alum Eric Devendorf have um, the Devo show that we got going uh, on Q Sports Talk. So that's pretty cool. Especially during the season where we could recap games and, you know, speak to some of the guys. And we have guests on. We have Hakeem Work, of course, who, like you mentioned, the NCAA tournament is going on. He had the historic, iconic block against Kansas to seal the deal in 03. Um, you know, we had one of my favorite rappers on there, Jada Kiss on there. So, and he's a big what? Syracuse fan. So having him on there was super, super dope. Uh, so I'm just kind of figuring things out. I think my playing days are behind me now, unless something spectacular, fantabulous comes up. You know what I mean? And I, I go back overseas or I go somewhere in Asia, but 
uh, for now, I'm, I'm looking ahead and I'm like you mentioned, giving back to the game that gave so much to me, opened so many doors for me. Um, so I'm, I'm training kids here in Montreal. Um, I train kids, Chris Joseph Hoops. Um, I'm going to be coaching AAU this summer with the Red Rush program, who was, you know, created by this guy named Den Burke Reed, who went to McGill University. I'm sure Olga knows him as well, but a legend here in Montreal. So just really jumping into the coaching thing, man. And, um, I'm enjoying it, giving back to the game. It's really, uh, the, the gratification for that is huge. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was one thing playing, you feel good playing, but giving back and seeing the light bulb click in a youngster's head, like, oh, I didn't, I never thought of it this way. And I, you know, just them seeing small details. And again, me being able to play as much basketball as I did in different, so many different places, learned, um, you know, was coached by so many great coaches. All this knowledge is in my head and it's only right that I give it back. Good for you, man. Pay it forward. Loving the energy. Can people find your podcast on any platform or is it a specific thing? Like where can people go and listen? I'd love to hear the Jada Kiss. I mean, I'm a huge hip hop guy, so yeah. Ha-ha. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. my guy. <laughs> so it's that's it's cool, so it streams on Twitch, right? So you could go on sport, okay. uh, Q, qsportstalk.com and okay. um in the and then you'll see there oh there's a few different shows that play under that, I guess. Handle. Exactly. Right. So there's different shows, but D- Eric Devendorf for myself is called the Devo Show. And you saw QSportsTalk.com and the shows are usually there. They don't get erased. So you could go back and watch all the episodes that you missed from the beginning. Uh, we were cool. doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday once the season Ooh. started. But now we only do Wednesdays. Right. So, um, you know, that's fine. Like next week, we should have Patrick Ewing Jr. on there, who, of course, like has... We say that we inherited the beef of Syracuse Georgetown. I mean, he literally inherited that beef, you know what I'm saying, with his mm-hmm. pops, who his pops was. So we'll have him on there next week. And, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun just being able to talk basketball. It's like talking to your friend in the, in, in the living room and recapping the game, you know, just talking talking some crap, talking some shit a little bit. Yeah, for sure, man. That's cool. I know Big Robbie's got one too, Sack and Jack or whatever. So they're all pro Gonzaga, <laughs> right? So and it's cool to have people that were in in these systems and in it because you can have all these media people talking about it. But the the guys that actually have lived these moments, I don't know, for me, when I hear those people, like when I listen to Knuckleheads or JJ Reddick yeah. or All the Smoke, like those are the dudes, right? And And it's cool, man. And it's awesome that in 2022, we have these platforms for people like yourself to do to do it right and and um 100%. continued success with that man that's cool yeah yeah no i like you hit it on the nose because like i like to say you know to, to fans or whoever it may be it's like not only did we play but we played for syracuse so one we know coach Beheim on a different level than the average fan would and we understand the intricacies of the zone for instance and mm-hmm. why certain things are working versus why they're not so like you said being able to you know we weren't just in the kitchen we were cooking you know what i mean so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, it's definitely a difference man for all the uh for all the twitter fingers out there why can't they get how come they won't guard the high post man the, the high post right. is wide open in the zone here. yeah exactly 100%. put the twitter on mute for the night yeah <laughs> Let's jump into it, man. Tell the people about yourself as a young buck growing up, you know, your your situation and then how basketball sort of started to come into your life a little bit. All right. So growing up, Montreal, uh, Montreal, Quebec, not by by no stretch of the imagination was it a basketball city, especially, you know, in the early uh, 90s and or throughout the 90s when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. um, I initially started, you know, like any younger brother, just following my older brother Maurice around and at the time, he was what? like, he would play on, basketball. Hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Maurice Joseph is your brother? Yeah, that's my older brother. Yep. Dawson College, Maurice Joseph? Champlain College, yep. Champlain. He, he went to, so, yep, Champlain, Michigan State, Vermont, coaching Come at on. Richmond now. Oh. Yeah. Man, we should have done more homework. We were too busy thinking about you. <laughs> Anyways, we had, I played yep. at Langara. We used to rival Dawson, Prosper, Croangwell, and all those guys, oh, right? Yeah, well, no, that's Mario Joseph. Uh, Maybe yeah, big Dawson. Mario. He's big at, Mario. He, he's coaching and at he, uh, UCAM. Cam, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep, he's always oh, coaching UCAM. So Mojo, oh. yep, my brother. So, you know, I, I grew up following him around. So whatever he was doing, at some point he was big into street hockey. So guess what? I was into street hockey myself. So we'd go out there, you know, get the little sticks from wherever, the plastic, you know, bend them real nice. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> get going. Um, and then we always, because again, you know, I have to make the point again that Montreal wasn't a big basketball city at all. So initially... You know, we started off with the with the with the uh, <laughs> street hockey. I had a mean slap shot, little wrist shot going as a youngster, but you know that I, that didn't last, right? So my brother, you know, we ended up starting to play like twenty one, one on one on these garbage cans in our elementary schoolyard, where we would dump out all the trash. Sorry for the littering, you know, but uh, <laughs> we would dump out all the trash and just get to shooting the ball in the in the trash can. And finally, I guess the principal or whoever it is that's in charge ended up you know we used to have these rims that you could like hook on to the wall so the bare concrete wall was the backboard and we just yeah. had a they put a little square metal thing where you could just slide the net in and that was our hoop and uh, eventually so we could jump off the wall and dunk and stuff like yeah. that right <laughs> and then when they saw how dangerous it was because now we're playing three on three and there's a brick wall right there right they said okay let's take off one of these dodgeball courts or whatever you want to call it and set up a a full court you know in the in the schoolyard so i'd like to say that you know my brother myself and all the guys that were playing basketball is, are the ones who made them who forced their hand into giving us a basketball court in our schoolyard so um again the, I was I, my brother taught me the game. So if anybody asks me to this day, I, I tell people he's my idol. You know what I mean? Because he was, you know, the one that I looked looked up to. He showed me the game. I'd follow him around. We'd be watching NBA on NBC. Uh, Michael Jordan. Then he introduced me to Kobe and the Lakers. So I'm forever indebted to him in that sense, where he put the love of the game inside me. You know what I mean? Like he's the one that made me watch hoops and made me fall in love with the game. Just seeing how he played it, how passionate he was about it. So I grew up playing for this this um, organization, this city league team called Sun Youth, Sun Youth organization out here in Montreal. We in, in here in Montreal, we have mini, bantam, midget, and juvenile. So mini is when you just first start out. So it's like nine to, I guess, 11 or so. Then you got bantam, 12 to 14, then midget and juvenile. You know, I started playing in that. Two of my good, good friends who I grew up with, they played for that, for that Sun Youth organization. And they asked me one day, one year, one summer, we played at, we played at Hoop It Up, right? Yes. So we played at Hoop It Up in Montreal. And it was like, it was, we called ourselves, which is a terrible name, by the way, but our names are, you know, it was Kenny, Kevin, and Chris. So we called ourselves the KKK. So that was not the greatest name, right? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't, the, wasn't the greatest name back there. You know, as, as youngsters, we weren't, we didn't know much about. You First know, thing that comes to your head. To, yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't know anything. It's like, oh, that's a cool name. Like we got, okay, that was it. But later on, we kind of realized that wasn't the way to go. But um, so that's so that following that fall, you know, hoop it up is in the summer. That fall, they bring me to um, 
to Sun Youth, and you know it's like participation rule when you 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 start off in mini. So the coach has to play you. You know they have mm. this like four minute, eight minute quarters at that at that time. But you know at four minute mark every quarter you got to switch lineup. So you're forced to play. Bantam is the same thing. But when you get to juvenile, participation rule is out the window. Like coaches want to, I guess, win at that point. You're not. You're no longer trying to like. Here, this is how you do a left hand layup, right hand layup. Like, nah, no, no more pats on the back for doing things that they want to win. So at 14, I go to Sun Youth. I'm thinking I've been a part of this program for four years. I mean, I should be a lock to just keep playing, and this is where I'm going to continue playing my basketball. I end up getting cut. Well, unofficially, I get cut from that team because the coach at the time, Jamie Woods, shout out to Jamie Woods. And by shout out, it's not a real one. You know what I mean? But shout out to Jamie Woods because you know what? He did put the battery in my back. Uh, so I could tell the smirk. I could tell by the smirk. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he cuts me. Or he says, you know, Chris, man, you're just not, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to play unless we're up by a lot or down by a lot. And that's the only time you'll get in the game. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And I don't think that I would like that. You know what I mean? To be a, mm-hmm. like, in my mind, like be a practice player or whatever it is at that age. It just didn't make sense to me. So. I respectfully, I declined his offer or his deal, whatever it is. And I said, it's okay. I'll go play high school basketball solely at that point. But within that year, right, I end up growing like two to three inches. So I go maybe from like 6'2 to 6'4, 6'5 as well. So the following year, I go back to Sun Youth. I make the team, but I I didn't stay. It was just kind of like I came back, I made the team, and I said, you know what? I'm leaving. I don't even like exactly. It was just kind of to prove a point. So I end up going to play. It's like leaving Syracuse to go play at Georgetown. I end up going to Dawson Community. No, right. I so I go to play for them. And, you know, that's where things kind of took off for me at that point in time. And um, I grew another maybe two inches between those years, between 15, 14 and 16 or so. I was growing quick. You know what I mean? And then um, basketball in Montreal at some point be with with basketball was one thing, but then there was the school system that was kind of kicking my ass a bit, right? Mm. And the French was getting to me. Then I was wasn't having as much fun playing basketball because I felt like, all right, I need some, I need a, another challenge of some sort, you know. And I was granted the opportunity to go play basketball in the states, and um, I, I finished off my high school um, in in the states. And I don't want to move too fast, just so that you know, no, I know no, you okay. want to plug some questions in there. But so I leave Montreal and I go to DC for two years and you know that's where the next chapter i guess of my young basketball career uh started crazy man so along that it seems like things started to happen pretty quick for you how were you able to take that all in and sort of what did you lean on your brother and and i also find it interesting too you know um when we're young and i've so many people we've had on this show talk about you know it wasn't the nba players it was this pocket of guys that were two, three years older than me that I would just tag along with. Those were my heroes, right? Those are the guys that I wanted to emulate and be like. So as things are starting to move forward for me from getting cut to, whoa, I'm playing on the rival and I'm, you know, probably you're probably starting to gain some attention and yeah. your name's getting thrown around. How how does one sort of work through all that um, and keep a level head and, and stay focused on what they want? Again, man, I have to give all the credit to my brother because, you know, he was, you know, he went to Champlain St. Lambert. Like if you talk about uh, basketball in Montreal at that point, you cannot say you like you you have to say my brother's name first and foremost. You know that, yeah. you know, that he might be very humble and we're, we consider ourselves very humble young men. But honestly speaking, if we're going to call a spade a spade. He was Montreal basketball at a point because of him and because he was getting recruited. He kind of, you know, he was going to ABCD camp, Nike camp, Adidas. He was, so he was getting these calls to go to these camps, you know, so I was able to see that. So I always had like a blueprint, 
kind of right there in front of me, you know, or on top, we shared a bunk bed. So he was right there. You know what I mean? Every night I'm going to say, I see him coming back home with gear from ABCD camp and, you know, gear is everything, you know what I mean? So him being who he was and being able to keep me level-headed. So even when I got to DC, you know, he was at Michigan state at this point and obviously I had never been through the recruiting process, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Just getting my first letter. We all knew, like, you know, you watched uh, Through the Fire, Sebastian Telfair. You watch these these, these documentaries or you see these movies, you know, Blue Chips, whatever the case may be. And you see, okay, this is how it works. You get college, you know, colleges are interested. But in Montreal, I don't know if it's like that everywhere in Canada, but for sure in Montreal, like, these thoughts are so far beyond our imagination like we can't who's getting a letter from montreal you know it was just weird like it didn't happen very often we weren't like a bc or we didn't have guys or or like toronto obviously guys going to play division one basketball high division one basketball right no one of no notable guys except who was named bill wellington you know but he went to st john's and you know obviously world champion in the nba and stuff like that but it wasn't that wasn't we weren't able to reach that touch touch him and you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. it's very different can we talk about you mentioned the school system. Can we talk about how y'all cheat with the grade thirteen man CJEP? Come oh, on that, now, CJEP. Yeah, I don't. I still to this day. Now, did don't you play? Because so did you no, leave in I your left. senior year? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I left, so I didn't even have. To, I didn't play. I didn't play CJEP ball. So, I, but I know. I do know that it's it, a lot of people consider it <laughs> consider it a little cheat year, not a gap yeah. year, not a leap. No, it's just a cheat year, so you could get extra schooling. But yeah, is that the reason why that you left? Was because obviously you felt going down to the States was going to be better for your career and you'd be, get exposed to more. Was that the main reason? Was that, and, and how no, what was man. that process like? Because you're not old, but you're not, you know, you're not young anymore. So this is still a new thing for someone like yourself. And mm-hmm. how do you, how do you know that going to Washington DC is the right move for you? And how do you feel comfortable? Cause that's a big jump for someone your age, right? At, at such a young man. age to, to trust yeah, a whole bunch 16. of other people. Yeah. I was 16 years old. So I was young. I, I just knew, honestly speaking, that if I stayed in Montreal, like I, it wasn't going to be good for me. You know what I mean? And I tried to leave to go to DC the year before. Um, but I, you know, I was 15. My mom wasn't having it. I, yeah. you know, and I literally begged her for a whole year from 15 to 16, literally just was like, I have to leave, please. Like you have to trust me. I know it's hard for, I, I have kids of my own, you know, today, and I can't imagine my son or my daughter saying to me at the age of 15, 16 years old, that they want to leave to go to another country, not just another city within Canada or whatever the case, they want to leave and go to another country. And I have to let another family care for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was really shout out to my mom, seriously, because she is the one who like had to okay to move like, or else she could have been, you know, she, she, if she said no, it was no, there was no fighting her about it. Yeah. But she, you know, it was many nights talking to her, explaining to her while I was crying, like mm-hmm. tears in my eyes, just imagining my life. If I stayed in Montreal, it was a scary thought at 16. I'm like, listen, it, it was a mix of the French school system was not for me. Mm-hmm. I was, and this is outside is of that basketball. Com- is that common? Right? It is. It well, I wonder that. It's yeah. So yeah, it is. It is. You know, and it's obviously easier for, I guess. And I mean, even if you you grow up and French is what you grew up speaking in the household, it's still hard for some of those guys, you know? Yeah, fair enough. So even outside of basketball, it was one thing that I felt like I've surpassed the Montreal talent pool and like I, I wanted a new challenge for myself. But even getting 
you know, you're 16 years old, you're hanging out, you know, you might be getting into some stuff that you shouldn't be. It was just bad crowd, et cetera, et cetera. I still had that presence of mind to know that, okay, this, whatever's going on is not for me. Like, you know, again, I had the blueprint right in front of me, my brother who was at this point at Michigan State. So it was no reason for me to sway away from what I know is right for me, right? So once I explained it to her, she finally said yes. Um, It was still tough, homesick. Again, mind you, I'm going to a family who I don't, who doesn't know me. I don't know them. Like, I just know that the school found me a family. And at that point, shout out to Simona. That was her name, Simona, uh, Simona Mayfield. She accepted because she was like the team mom, right? Mm. That's what they called them. She was like the one, like she would cook meals on game days for the whole team, you know? And so she was a team mom. So that initially they asked her if she would like to take in a Canadian. And she tells a story that she thought I was going to show up to a school. She thought I was white. You know, she thought oh, I was yeah. a white kid because like they didn't, I guess like it was so, to me, it's so ignorant, right? But not her, but just the 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 American, like the way, their way of thinking, like, do you live in an igloo? You know how many times I heard, do I live in an igloo? You know what I mean? I'm sure you've, <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard it a, a lot of times too. So little things oh, like that, gosh. she thought, you know, so for me to leave and go there, I'm nervous. I'm homesick. I'm leaving my, you know, I'm, I'm still a baby now thinking back, I'm still a, a baby for real. Yeah. But yeah. I just knew that that was the move that I had to make in order to make my dreams or whatever I had in my mind like a reality. Because I'll take you back a few years before that. I'm 14 years old playing for this. Uh, the RCMP had an AAU basketball program called yeah. the, the the Bisons. So I'm there. We're at a practice one day and I'm 14 years old. You know, that's when I get my first little growth spurt. That summer I go play for the Bisons. I'm 6'4", six, 6'5". And at this point, Melo, Carmelo, not, for those who think that when I say Melo, I'm talking about the Melo ball, just in case of the, you know, no, I don't know no, which no. age. No, I was talking about Car- the Carmelo Anthony, the, right? The triple so, OG, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm 14 and I'm talking to my homeboy, Kasani, and I tell him, you know, we had just lost, we we're playing pickup during practice or whatever it was, and we just lost. So our team's on the side and we're sitting on the mats. Like there's some mats and we're sitting down. I remember it like it was yesterday. I turned to him random. I'm like, yo, so this is my exact words. I'm like, yo, bro, you know I'm going to go to Syracuse one day, right? So he starts, he start when I say he bust out laughing. He's <laughs> <laughs> putting it lightly. He, like, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> laughing like he, I'm talking, holding his stomach. He's like, and then he really says, so once he gets past the joke, he says to me, as serious as can be, he's like, how the f*** you think you're going to get to Syracuse from here? Right. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to go like so it's funny. So shout out to my man, you know, my man Suave. That's what we call him, Nico Suave. But he, uh, <laughs> so when I first get to Syracuse, when I go to D.C., that was one thing. But when I commit to Syracuse, he was one of the first people I called. And he just couldn't believe it. He's like, you told me this three years ago or however many years ago it was at the time that I committed. So just to just to show you, even your friends, you tell your friends, someone who I love, they don't, they'll laugh at you because back then anyway, because it just doesn't seem, it's not realistic, right? That was just my fault. I had to rewind one time. But no, uh, no. so Love I get it, to man. D.C. I Love it. I get to D.C. and, you know, it's a whole new world, obviously. But I know I'm there. For me, it was like I'm there on a mission. I understand that I'm staying with people I don't know. I'm not a hard kid to like. You know, I'm respectful. I grew up, you know, my parents raised me well. I knew there wouldn't be no problems in the household, but I did. I was nervous, let's just say, about the hoops. Because you hear, I played in the States a couple of times growing up, but now I'm going to be there for a whole season and I'm excited. I'm nervous. You know, I'm playing in the WCAC, which at the time, maybe still today, is regarded as, you know, one of the best 
high school leagues in the East Coast, right? So you got the Matha Catholic, you got St. John's, you got uh, Paul the Six. Uh, these teams, these this this conference breeds like twelve to fifteen D one guys a year, and maybe five McDonald's All Americans: Vic Oladipo, Quinn Cook, Austin Freeman, just a bunch of guys, right? Yeah. So I'm like, how could I? How am I going to hold my own here? Because I know it was one thing I wanted this. I wanted out of Montreal because I felt it was too easy for mm-hmm. me, and I wasn't getting any better. So I needed a new challenge. So I go there, and I'm, now I'm fully grown. I'm six seven, you know, six 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 seven now at this point. And um, our first practice, our, our, our summer league game, because they do summer league. We had summer league at Georgetown, and we would play games. And I said, okay, well, this is my team. We had a guy, Rodney Magruder, who currently plays for the Detroit Pistons. We had a good good team, good point guards. and But but Rodney was, was my guy, the other guy, like the one-two punch. We had a couple guys go Division two. But, you know, of course, naturally, you know, the hate, the hate comes like no, nobody wants a Canadian to Who's come this French to America. Canadian kid, man. Yeah. Who is yeah. this guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> so the hate was there and, you, you know, I had to get through that stuff. But at the end of the day, once that was over with and they realized I'm only here to win, I'm not trying to take shine away from anybody. I was, you know, I was, I came here with a goal in mind for myself. I want to win. Like I hate losing. So uh, we got together and I remember my first, you know, Gonzaga. Shout out to I forget what was his name Coach Lloyd or something like that Tommy Lloyd Tommy maybe? Lloyd Tommy yeah, Lloyd he's, at Ari- he's head coach of Arizona now Oh wow first year yeah yeah he's wow, with Gonzaga wow, wow. forever okay. Yeah yeah shout yeah. out to Tommy Lloyd he was the first one to come by and show interest right So because you know the tie between you know Gonzaga and and Montreal I guess is because we had Pierre Marie Altidore Cespedes yes. that went there P Mac went there before he transferred to Marshall I think it was he went to but you know P Mac shout out to P Mac another legend so I guess you know me being in DC being in the states now he came down to visit you know we spoke for a bit and he showed interest and I guess the way it works is if one team shows interest in somebody I'm not sure if they are obligated to say something but yep <laughs> that's what start happening so right away. After a few summer league games, then Clemson came about. Then I had West Virginia at the gym and all these biggie schools. So like you said, this is still very fresh for me. It's still happening at a very high pace, very fast. And I'm like, almost like you got teams like Clemson saying, oh, well, we're the first team to offer you a scholarship. So you have to commit to us. In my mind, I knew that didn't sound right. Like, I'm shouldn't I be waiting for more scholarship? But again, I had my brother who I could call and I said, road or saying that I have to commit. Do I? Like, I have no idea how this works. Like, do I have to commit because they're the first team? And he's like, hell no, they're not. You don't have to commit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you better wait because there's going to be all these teams. And when he yeah. asked me, where do you want to go? I said, honestly, I want to go to Syracuse. Like, at that point, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to Syracuse because Mello was my favorite player. Was it because when I watched those games at the Dome and the fans were going crazy? Like, what was it that made me? I was drawn to Syracuse since, like I said, at 14 or 13 years old, I was drawn to Syracuse. And that's where I envisioned myself when I would, you know, play the, the video game, March Madness video game. I'd create a player. He was on Syracuse. You know what I mean? Like there was no way around it. I, I had to go to Syracuse. If it's one of those things where people say you have to, you know, uh, believe it to achieve it or, you know, speak things into existence. I mean, that's literally what it was. I hear you, man. To, to age you, well, so I'm, I'm, I'm Florida, but Hughes is like my. I always loved Syracuse, but for me, it was Derek Coleman, Ronnie Cycli, yeah. 
Yeah. Sherman Douglas, right? Those those guys, yep. man. Yeah. John that, Wallace. I, and that, shout out to the Cuse, man. That love that yeah. we have, that brotherhood, like when they used to come back to school and even till this day, um, you know, being able to talk to those guys, Lawrence Moulton, John Wallace, Derek Coleman, when you see them, it's all love. Like it's those alum, like they mean everything to me till this day. You know what I mean? They gave yeah. me so much game, so many gems, how to succeed at the college level. Um, I guess because, you know, once they see the potential, obviously they're looking at their school, they're, you know, their alma mater and they want to see who's doing well, who's there. They take a liking to you and they take you under their wing. It's it's amazing. Yeah, man. I think it's very cool. As funny as the story is about you and your buddy just sitting there and you say in Syracuse. So <laughs> how did you maintain that? And it's no surprise. I mean, anybody that gets to the level that you're at. They have like a, an extreme inner confidence, right? And, and a swagger about themselves, whether it's shown or just internalized. Like yeah. people like yourself just think differently, you know? And then between 14 and 17 and actually getting to the cues, is it writing things on the wall? Is it just a mental thing 24-7? Like this is what I want. Just dig it, want to dig into your brain and your mentality from there out to, you know, I know you said speak into existence, but how does that continue yeah. for you? And how do you stay hungry on that path? Well, you know, because like I said, so getting there, Tommy Lloyd giving me that first taste of, you know, you want more of it. You taste more, uh, you yeah. want more, right? Yeah. So he's a, a large part to play because, you know, I could have went to D.C. and nothing could have, no, maybe nothing happens. Maybe I don't yeah. pan out. Maybe I can't. My The level I thought I was at was not the level that I really was at, you know, because it's one thing you're playing in Montreal and you feel like you're dominant. Going to the States where you got McDonald's All-Americans and that could be intimidating, I guess, at that point, because we don't, I don't ever played against, against or with a McDonald's All-American or against, a, you know what I mean? So where you have 16, 15 year olds, like with on a weightlifting program, I never lifted weights in Montreal, you know what I mean? So it was very different. But again, getting that first taste, Tommy Lloyd showing interest, Clemson offering, um, you know, having those schools come to the gym and I knew they were coming to the gym for me, you know, having big John Thompson. You know, oh, come man. to the gym and, you know, with the towel and all that and just being there. And I knew because he went to Archbishop Carroll, which is the high school I went to. So, yep. you know, and, and Georgetown was literally down the road. So him coming there and, and, and you know, coming to see me and trying to persuade me to come play for his son, JT3. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is beyond my wildest dreams because and it's again happening very fast. But I have to stay grounded and kind of always had my brother to always all right, should I do this? What's this? Is this true? How does it work when they a coach says this? Are they being truthful? Is that just part of recruiting? So I was able to go to him and he was able to give me all the answers I was looking for. And you just imagine your mom pulling on your ear too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was big time. But, you know, things happen. You know, honestly, I'm not, I, I, I can't say I believe in coincidence and things like that, but things happen the way they're supposed to happen because when I was playing in that um, WCAC, yeah. a former Syracuse player red autry um adrian autry his real yep. name but coach red was coaching a team i think he coached at uh, bishop ironton if i'm not mistaken so we played bishop ironton i i don't know coach red from a can of paint at the at the time right and like i said so i go there and i'm waiting for syracuse in my mind if i don't get a scholarship from syracuse i'm just not going anywhere that's what i'm thinking yeah i'm gonna just quit basketball so I'm yeah just, i'm just quit basketball i don't yeah, even want to yeah. play no more <laughs> So we play against Bishop Arrington and I have a triple double against Bishop Arrington. So he calls Coach Murphy, who's the assistant at Syracuse at the time, and says, I think we got one. He's six seven, long, prototypical zone guy, right? He's athletic, he can do this down the third. So that's how Syracuse gets on the rate gets okay. to 
you know, gets to be interested in recruiting me was because Isn't it funny how it works. It's amazing. It's funny, man. It's crazy. So tell these kids all the time, man. I mean, you just never know who's looking, right? You know what I mean? Like never you never, know. and especially for yourself. I mean, for us here, you know, if we got a kid who's getting recruited to play, you know, CIS or U sport, but mm-hmm. still with the online availability, I'm like, no doubt. you can't take a possession off. These coaches are watching body language. They're watching it at all. Right. Everything. And, and Everything. you're every day. It's like, you're, you're on the show, right? You're, you got to put work in because it might be, yeah. it might be a three minute interval of you going back and forth with bad body language and that coach is like yep. i don't know if he's yep. for us right it's crazy exactly exactly yeah that's you a know, cool something story you said was um lawrence moulton always used to say every day is an audition you know what i mean ah. you say every day is an audition whether it's practice whether it's pickup whether it's whatever every day is an audition so you gotta make sure you wake up with that mindset that don't matter who's there watching it doesn't matter who you think is there watching because there could be you know there's undercover cops there's undercover recruiter they dress in regular clothes like you don't know who's in the gym right so every day is an audition so that's how i get on shout the out lawrence on moten, by the way shout out low moten man former you vancouver grizzly bucket yep poetry bucket yeah poetry he was. Yeah, yeah man he's a bucket <laughs> so that's how syracuse gets on the radar cool. and like the rest is history as far as like going there i i was ready to commit as soon as they called me you know they try I, to play I remember cool the story Oh, I tried. I tried. But my coach, my coach at, at Carroll, uh, Coach Perot, he knew how much I wanted to go to Syracuse because I had voiced that at this point. You know, I knew that I was bringing a lot of attention to the school. Um, I get there. We ended up getting like a Nike. Um, my For my first, well, going into my second year. So I did two years there, two yep. last years. My second year, we get like a, a Nike sponsorship and things like that. So obviously we had a lot of attention. Oh, you guys are nice. And uh, yeah, no, we got, we got right, man. You know, me and Rodney McGrew. We were putting in work, but uh, <laughs> shout out to RG. So the day happens, he, he tells me, you know, hey, Chris, man, after practice, I need you to come to my office. Immediately, I'm like, damn, I know I didn't do nothing bad at school today. So what could this be about? You know what I mean? Like, I was cool, no detention, no demerit points, no nothing. So I go to his office and he goes into his drawer and he pulls out an orange envelope. Now, I know Clemson been on my case for a little bit. But then the only other orange school in my mind was Syracuse. So when he hands it to me and I flip it over and I see the navy blue shiny S on there, I said, oh, my God, this can't be real. All that was was an interest letter. But to me, that meant the world. You know what I mean? That meant the world so that the fact that Coach Rob Murphy took the time, he wrote a letter, which obviously now I know he probably sent 100 of those out weekly. You know, who knows, right? <laughs> but I got one. I that got moment one didn't those. matter. It, it did not matter at that moment. Matter. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got that letter. I played. I was excited. I was smiling from ear to ear. And, um, yeah, from that point on, like, he was really, you know, on me. Coach Murphy was on me. He would call. I spoke to Coach Bayham on the phone. And little did they know, I was just waiting on them to – send the offer through, you know, cause I was committed no matter what was, what was going on. I had no idea if they like playing, what the playing time situation would be like. Nothing. I just knew I, I said at 14, 13 years old, I was going to Syracuse here. This moment is four years later. I gotta, I gotta go there. It's no, if I have to transfer at some point, I'll transfer, but I, and I'm going to Syracuse. What's an initial phone call like with coach Jim Bayheim? <laughs> As a oh, seventeen year, is it? Yeah, your heart's racing. You hear heart's that voice, racing. like, "Hey, Chris, how you, you want to say the like, right thing?" Exactly. Try not to pass exactly. out. <laughs> you want to <laughs> say like, he's like, "Yeah." So, because he, you know, funny enough, like the coach, the assistants are the ones telling the coach everything about you. He doesn't know much. He's so busy now that I've been there and see yeah. now. How, 
man, you don't got time for none of that. Don't you but, find that crazy too? Like the the amount of trust these head coaches have in the in yeah, their assistants. Like there, exactly. there's got to be some serious like because at serious, the end of the day, serious. he has to answer to that, right? He has mm-hmm. to answer to bringing you to campus. No one's gonna be like, oh well. The second assistant brought you in, and exactly. he's gonna, they're going to go right to the head coach. So I've always found that when you get to these levels, it's super intriguing of the the trust that's there, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, this is this is big big time basketball, man. We're not. Oh yeah, you know, that's not a yeah. joke. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's why I always think that too. The the trust, and that's why I guess that you know it, it comes with also you know your your the work that as an assistant, like you know you have to if you've been bringing in McDonald's All Americans, etc. He's gonna trust you, you know. And these guys been there for a while, but it is it is crazy to think like I don't nothing about this Chris Joseph kid. But if you see he's good, all right, well I'll I'll believe you. I'll take your word for it. It's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> so I first get on the phone see him with him. In, see him in September. <laughs> yeah, right. We get on the phone and like we're on. I guess maybe they're in the office together. I'm not sure how it is, but I was talking to Coach Murphy. He called and. Next thing you know, he's like, hey, here's, you know, Coach Beheim is here, too. He wants to say a few words. He wants to say hello. He's like, hey, Chris, how you doing? Uh, I'm like, this is crazy. This is Coach Beheim, like, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? My heart's, like you said, my heart's racing. I think I started sweating. I'm sure I did. You know what I mean? And he's just talking to me, and he's regular. You know, he's like, well, you know, we, I wasn't committed at this point yet. He's like, you know, right. well, we're very interested in you. We feel like you, you know, fit the Syracuse uh, mold, and you're you're long for the zone. But he's probably just reading off a list of six, seven, two, fifteen. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's just probably reading. You know, never seen me play, never seen me put the ball in the basket yet. But he was saying that he's, you know, he's excited, and you know, that's what it was. And at the end of that conversation, he says to me. I just wanted to let you know that we're going to offer you a full scholarship to come to Syracuse University. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Honestly, this is, I'm telling him, like, this is a dream come true. And, um, no, I, I appreciate it. And he's like, no, obviously, there was no pressure for me to commit on the phone. But in my mind, I did. Like, okay, yeah, I'm coming here. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the scholarship offer. I'll see you soon. You know what I mean? But I kept it cool in that sense where I, you know, I didn't take any visits really? outside of Syracuse. Yeah, because, I mean, I was in D.C., so I went to Maryland. They recruited right. Maryland, Georgetown, you know, like yeah. George Mason, George Washington, all those Georges. You know what I mean? All of them uh, recruited me, and I visited. I used to go play pickup with the Hoyas in the summertime and things like that. You know, that was one thing. Oh, you could be like Jeff Green. You could play in this Princeton offense because you could pass the ball and you could – I'm like, damn, but that's not so much how I want to play. That Syracuse offense is a little bit more free-flowing, a little, you know, so it was a little better for me in, in that mm-hmm. sense. But, yeah, no, I took Syracuse for my only, like, official visit where I went there and Dante Green was my host and, um, you know, had a had a great time. I went up there with my mom because Syracuse being three and a half, four hours away from Montreal, I made sure that when I got there, she was able to come visit because at that point I was in D.C. I hadn't seen my mom for like a year and maybe like a year. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure I could see her. And, you know, the guys were like, yeah, Chris, you know, you want to, you you know, super low maintenance. You want to, yeah, there's a party tonight. You want to, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to kick it with my mom, man. You guys, I'll go to, <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate you. I know you're supposed to make this the best trip of my life for me to commit, but I'm already committed. They just don't yeah. know it yet. So you don't have to give me the bells and whistles. I'm here already. Yeah, this is three years in the making, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how's that how's that feeling that that moment of like obviously your brother had been through it, but for you personally, bringing your mom, knowing that like regardless of how it is going to end up for you, like this is like a, a six figure contract that you're signing for an education and to play high level mm-hmm. basketball. 
How's that feel like to to have your mom be the person on campus with you? That must have been a cool moment. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, we're in the hotel room and, you know, she's on her, you know, we got two. She's like, uh, she's like, should we get you guys separate rooms? I'm like, no, we want to be in the same room. I'm telling them we're in the same room. We'll have two beds or whatever, two doubles, whatever it is. But we're watching TV in the hotel. We're just kicking it. Cause that, you know, in, in my mind, I never said, you see, I told you so. I told, But for me, it was like, thank you for trusting me. You know what I mean? Like, cause already, like I wasn't making the best decisions in Montreal and stuff like that. So thank you for believing in me and trusting me to make this move and knowing that this is what I needed to, you know, not to say turn my life around. Cause I wasn't a bad kid. It's not like no, I was no. getting arrested and things like that, but you know, just for me to get on a straighter path, you know what I mean? Without any distractions, being home, sometimes, you know, you have friends who are into certain things and these are your friends. And at a young age, you're not really sure of how to differentiate. Like my, these are my friends. Yeah. They're doing this, but you know, these are my guys. So how do I, you know, so me being away was the best decision and it was an amazing, you know, moment. And every time my mom came to campus, you know, to watch a game because she did it so frequently being, it was so close. It meant everything to me. Like I would always go, as soon as the game was over, I'd go right to the crowd and I'd go hug her. Every, after every game she was at, I'd leave. As soon as we finished uh, dapping the other team, I'd go find her into the in the crowd, give her a hug, go to the locker room, do whatever we had to do, come out and, you know, see her off or whatever the case was. But amazing feeling. Amazing. Says a lot about your mom, too, just to have the she built a pretty good foundation in her boys to trust that you would make the right decisions and leave you to go do what you did at such a young age. Right. I mean, it says a lot as a parent. You already touched on it yourself trying to think about your own kids. And I guess for us, our challenge with young kids is how do we build that foundation for them? So they're in a situation where we would, you You're know, right. and I think it says a lot about the parenting you receive. So that's dope, man. You walk onto that campus, practice starts. How does it go from a dream into a reality? Was it a first practice where it was like, okay, this is big boy ball now? Or, and I mean, yeah. let's let the people know you're pretty, you know, you're, you talked about the, the one coach putting the battery on your back, but like you can flat out hoop, man. So like you belong. So you know you belong. I mean, you made the NBA, you know, you're a sixth man in this conference. Like you, 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 I remember watching you, you're doing your thing out there, doing it, damage yeah. too, you know, for four yeah, years. Yeah. So yeah, I do appreciate the humble approach though, man. Like you don't get that vibe from you, but I can sense in your body language. And that's why I like doing this on Zoom. That is like, you, you, are, <laughs> you know, you, you can pick it up on people, but those first few weeks on campus and getting training, you're talking about the, you know, yeah. good thing you're down in the States. You've already got, we had Big Todd McCullough on the show. I don't know if you remember Ooh, Big Todd. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And he talked about how like, you know, first week on campus at UW, he's like never lifted a weight in his life, right? <laughs> he's like falling <laughs> over, barely tie his shoes. We're going to have a little flashback to episode 36 with Todd McCullough. And then we finished the workout. My arms are dead. I can't feel them. And they're like, okay, guys, it's uh. We're going to go run five miles. I'm like, you guys are insane. So now I have my running shoes on at this time. And so we go run this outdoor trail and we start the run, the whole team, you know, 12 of us. And immediately, like I fall back and two of my teammates, they're, they're walking with me in solidarity. I'm like, you guys go, I didn't do the, 
necessary fitness to be ready. So I don't want you guys to get in trouble. So you guys go, I'll be fine. So they're like, fine, buddy. So they just sprint off like gazelles and, and then we get done and they're like, okay, guys, we're going to SBU, uh, Seattle Pacific university. We've got two hours of scrimmage. I'm like, you guys are crazy. So we go to scrimmage and I go to put my shoes on. Cause you have to put your basketball shoes on. So I've got the runners on now, but now I've got to put on the basketball shoes cause we're going to play basketball. But so I, you know, you like lower yourself down to the court and my arms give out because there's no strength and I hit my head on the court and now I get my shoes on and now I can't stand back up because I'm just rolling around like a beached whale but I've no I can't even you gotta if you're gonna stand up you gotta like push your body up I'm not like a surfer I can just pop up so it takes everything that I have every ounce of strength just to get to my feet and they're like good job center from Canada you can stand up let's play and now I can't hold the ball I can't rebound I got a ball and I would like shovel it to the point where I'm like here come take this thing and then they gave me the ball in the post and I heaved it like a two handed under the basket, like, you know, like a, a berry shot. And it went in and I scored one basket in two hours of pickup against a D2 team. And then we're driving home in the van and the guys are like, they're trying to be supportive. Right. But I know they think I'm horrible because I've never played that bad in my life. You know, I dropped 50 in the provincials, baby. And so then I'm like, guys, I'm actually not as bad as what you saw today. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, of course you could, couldn't be. No. And then like a week later when I. I'd finally recover. They're like, oh, yeah, we totally thought you were the worst player we'd ever seen. Um, but then I made it to the NBA, so it's, it's okay now. You've at least had the, the high-level experience with a, with a high-level high school program, right? So how's that transition into Syracuse basketball um, and just showing up on the daily grind? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because you think that's your – you know, you think that you're lifting until you get to college. And, you know, like, because now it's Say like it louder for the people coach. in the back. Say it louder yeah, for the no people doubt. in the back. Yeah. So in high school, you know, it was our assistant coach maybe finding these programs on Google or whatever it was or however it is that he was doing. But, like, I get to Syracuse and, you know, it, it's like you get you, you go, you go through administration, you're doing your, you know, you have to fill out your stuff. And then you go right to the to the gym and you meet the equipment manager, shout out the Swirls. And he gives you your first, you know, your first set of gear, your loop. You know what I mean? Your first gear loop. Time out here. I'm giving you a timeout signal. Well, did you reference like the, the equipment dude, man? These these are the yeah. most vital people in the room, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You still no remember? Doubt. You're already shouting him out. You're like, this is my guy. Yeah. I need this guy. This I need my guy. My, yeah. I need this. I need that. Like, hey, those are your people, right? Day, you know, I still get the, the, the nice little uh, care packages from Syracuse. So whatever the gear is, Love you it. know, they, they hook your boy up. So Love you it. get, you know pair of sneaks you get your loop your dry fit the jersey with the 32 on the back you know and i'm ah oh, this is crazy this is, again another moment where i was like i can't believe i'm here you know how many days i woke up and i'm like i can't believe i'm in syracuse new york playing for the syracuse orange this is nuts like i would tell myself this all the time because this is not this is not normal for me or from <laughs> wherever i came from this is not the norm so it's pretty wild so the first day we f- figure all that stuff out but you know we have a guy named paul harris who plays my position as a three paul harris was supposed to be a guy who was able to come out of high school he's from buffalo new york and uh, played for niagara falls high school with johnny flynn and like he was everything Shout you know what Griselda i mean but the Rackets. year that you griselda guy I, I I mess with Griselda, man. You know, they're tough. Conway. Conway's Ooh. coming out here. I'm going to go see him. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's coming out yeah, in like a month. Tough. I'm the 44-year-old old head in the back who should be in 
asleep, but I gotta go. I need my live music back, man. I need yeah. my live music. Oh man, shout out to Griselda. Yeah, no question. <laughs> Sorry, and I shouldn't so, have cut you off. That's no, right. no, no. That's all good. No, no, that's all that. I rock with Griselda and, and and Jadakus was actually saying that he likes Griselda and Ben the Butcher and those guys too, and that's what keeps him going and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But um nice. So Paul Paul being there, he's a junior going into his junior year that year, and he, this guy is like like I said, you think you're lifting until you go to a college campus and see a like of a guy who's been lifting for three years, you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> like a man. whoa, you know what I mean? A man. So we're playing pickup and he wants to immediately go to the gym. So there's me and who I got recruited with was a guy named Mookie Jones. Um, so we go to the gym and we're playing like full court one-on-one. And I'm talking about, I can't get a move off on Paul Harris. I really? can't get a move off. I'm going between to my Iverson crossover and he's calling it out crossover. And I'm like, oh, so now I'm like, he knows I'm about to cross over. So let me do something else. Now he's picking my pocket, going back the other way, dunking, yelling, talking. Shit. And I'm like, damn. All right. So let me reevaluate this. I wanted to come to Syracuse, but maybe, you know, like Siena was a good school maybe for me, you know, <laughs> I'm like, let me reevaluate this thing. Right. So, so what's this CJEP thing about? Maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. McGill, not yeah, yeah. too bad right now. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but yeah. but um but you know what? It just took for me to like get adjusted to like it was so he was it was faster. You know what I mean? Like they were obviously stronger. Uh, my first lifting session. Like it wasn't nothing crazy, but it was just the, in the manner of which like, so this guy, we shout out to Ryan Cabillas too. He's still the strength coach there. We get with Ryan and like, he's writing you up this program and I'm seeing so many sets and so many reps. I'm like, what's going on? So we're doing upper body, lower, we're on the Vertimax. We're doing all kinds. The next day, man, it was like, I couldn't get out of bed. I'm like, this is, this can't be life. You know, it can't, it can't be like, this can't be what it's going to be every day. Like it's nuts. But Obviously, your body not used to things, used to this, you know, amount of work. And, you know, slowly but surely, when I was able to catch my routine and now I'm getting stronger and I'm playing every day with Paul. And, you know, Paul, I guess at the time, like he wouldn't say it, but now he would say he was kind of getting me ready for the role that I later ended up playing for Syracuse. Right. Because he knew he had the faith in me. He liked my game, just like, you know, the smoothness of it and, and, and all that. But he was just prepping me. You know what I mean? So if I could get past Paul Harris, man, like who's a. Lockdown defender. I don't even think he should have came to Syracuse because of how well he plays man-to-man defense. And, you know, we don't get out the zone. But this guy was a dog. Paul Harris is a dog till this day. You know what I'm saying? And I was able to play him later on in my career when I was in Italy, playing him once no in France. But he's a flat-out dog. You know, so it was tough, man. That Those first two weeks, I'd say I was really reevaluating everything. And I had my roommate at the time, Wes Johnson, who actually played with Rob there in L.A. But Wes Johnson was my roommate. You know, he was a transfer from Iowa State. And he was redshirting, obviously, because of the transfer rule. And uh, he was able to push me, like, mentally, too. He's like, yo, Joe, trust me. Like, you're good, bro. Like, trust me. I know it's tough Mm -hmm. right now. I went through my bumps and bruises, my first whatever it was as well. But you're going to get past. You're going to get past the soreness of the lifting. You're going to get past. Like, it was tough for me to lift have an individual and then end up having to play pickup and still be like fresh, right? It was so much yeah. for me at that particular mm-hmm. time. And once you get you, once your body gets used to it, and once you get going, it was cool. So by the time, so summer school started, we were there for summer start, which was like in June, I guess we were there. I, I stayed there the whole summer. 
And by the end of the summer, like you don't even notice it, but you're lifting every day and things are getting easier for you in the sense where it's like, oh, I couldn't, I can lift this. Like I'm not struggling no more. Oh, now we're going to hoop. I'm still fresh. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're eating different, you know, you're, you got like a nutritionist, which is, you know, your strength coach at the same time, writing you program, what you should eat, what you should be doing more or less of. And, you know, they take care of you. That was a whole new world too. You know, they have food for you after training and stuff like that. So as soon as I was able to get past that, I knew I, I knew that I belong for real because we started practice and it was just one of those things where I wasn't going to play many minutes because we had Paul Harris there who was going to get the bulk of the minutes at the three. But I still played a decent amount as a freshman, decent amount. I was My role obviously wasn't so big, but I played a decent amount, man. And I, I, I mean, there was times during the year that I, I felt like I wanted to transfer, and, mm. but it wasn't because... I didn't feel like I, I belonged. I feel like I felt like I should have been playing more. And like, when is my opportunity going to come? Because I'm thinking in my head, Paul Harris, he's a junior. He still has another year left. Wes Johnson, who is NBA ready right now, plays my position. So if he comes in, where's the minutes going to be for me? Yeah, so Paul Harris ends up leaving early, declaring for the draft after his junior year. So it ended up working out. Like I said, I don't believe in coincidences too much. Things happen the way they're supposed to. Paul helped me for a whole year. You know, at the end of my freshman year, I had to look at things and see like, okay, well, what could I do to get better? Had my end of, you know, your checkout meetings with Coach Beheim and the assistants and you meet with your assistant coach first, whoever recruited you. We have a talk. Then you go meet with the big, big boss man, Coach Beheim, And he basically was like, you know, Chris, you have, you know, you're, you have the skill, you have the talent. But he told me, he was like, you're too fat. And, uh, you know, I wasn't shooting the ball at a high clip because, you know, when you're shooting one or two threes a game, like you're yeah. not you might not shoot a great percentage. You know what I mean? So I was more pressure shooting. too, right? You're like, I better make one yeah, of these exactly. two or else. I better I'm make not... one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And coach is one of those guys where if you're not shooting like 34 percent or something like that, like minimum, he doesn't want you shooting threes at all. So you're shooting a shot, looking over your shoulder at the same time, barely looking at the rim, damn it. Because you're like, well, you shoot the ball and there's already someone standing up. Like, if it goes in, he might sit, go sit back down. But, like, he yeah. doesn't – if he doesn't trust you to shoot the ball, don't shoot it. But it's one of those things. You got the assistant being like, if you're open, shoot. You got Coach Beheim saying, if you shoot the ball, you're coming out. So it's like yeah. so many things going on, which is which is tough sometimes. And so he basically said, you know, he was like, Chris, right now you're too big so you're, and, and you don't shoot the ball well enough. And to play for Syracuse, you got to be able to run and shoot. And right now you're not doing either of those things too well. And I was like, damn, all right. So what should I do? I have like, I'm faced with a decision in a sense where it's like really a no-brainer. It's like lose the weight because no, I wasn't playing so much. So of course, I was indulging. We had a campus car with the Burger King and the Taco Bells. And, you know, I was getting, I was eating. You know what I mean? So I ended up, I ended up I ended up, you know, finishing my, my freshman year, which to me wasn't so bad because you're still lifting, so you look good. I was, I was two, uh, 233, 234, something like that. Yeah. That summer, I get down to 205. Between my freshman and sophomore yeah. year, I get down to 205. Um, it was like 6 5% body fat, and I was ready to roll. I was running and jumping. You know, I had a, I was, I had a 41 max vert, you know, running vert, so I was like, yeah. I'm ready. You know what I mean? I'm ready yeah, to go man. now. So that was big time right there. Yeah, and that's the year that I end up, you know, winning Big E six man of the year, which going into that year, it was like I had no idea what to expect. I knew I didn't play much. I knew Coach Beheim just told me what he told me like three, two months ago before we, you know, after the season. 
So he comes back and he's like, man, like you slimmed out. Like he was surprised, like Chris, like, you know, because once in the summertime, he's with Team USA, he's relaxing, he's recruiting, he's going everywhere. So when he comes back to campus and sees me, he was shocked. Mm-hmm. And I like that. You know, that was my first, like, okay. So one, one thing's for sure, like he notices that, you know, I changed, I took what he said into account and, you know, and I felt good. And, um, you know, I, Paul Harris was gone. You know, he declared for the draft after the, my freshman year. So I knew there was minutes available. Wes Johnson was going to be playing. But I knew that we could, you know, maybe be a, a three, four kind of punch or whatever the case is. But I end up not I end up not starting, which, uh, OK, cool. That's one thing. But what can I do? I'm not starting. But but maybe I can come off the bench and make an impact. You know, I was big. I was big on Manu Ginobili. Jamal Crawford, like seeing guys at the next level be very pivotal parts to a basketball team, even if they're not starting. And I finished a lot of games. So the, when the season started and, uh, you know, I was coming off the bench, I would try to, t- as soon as I get in there, try to make something happen immediately. Like, you know, we're playing zone. I'm trying to be, I'm being as active as I can be. I'm getting out in transition. I'm dunking the ball. Like this is something that nobody was able to see the year before because I wasn't getting those opportunities. And once I established my position as I'm going to be the first guy off the bench, that was a, it was a done deal for me. So now I'm playing like meaningful minutes, meaningful games. Like I'm I'm scoring. I'm third on the team and scoring behind Wes and Andy Routens. Shout out to Andy. You know what I yeah. mean? So now I'm, I'm averaging 11 points or like close to a 10.6, 7 or whatever it was. And like that's big time for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, like I'm really here now. Like, yeah, I was here. And last year I was here, but I'm here for real now this yeah. year like you know i'm playing in these games we're playing you know north carolina at, the, at madison square garden uh for a preseason tournament i don't know if it was the o'reilly auto parts preseason tournament or whatever it was but playing against north carolina seeing myself on an espn commercial like these are things i'm like i can't believe this is happening again i'm from montreal quebec where i was playing street hockey because there was no basketball hoop on my elementary schoolyard grounds you know what i mean so that was big time. Man. That was, hoops that journey, was man. That's a hoops yep. journey, dude. Yeah. I think it's cool, too. You've talked um, a couple times early on before your Syrac- actually arriving Syracuse. You talked about the team and you mentioned the word like family and culture and stuff. I think it's really cool. You got those guys that are ahead of you that are there supporting you saying, hey, man, you got this. But I'm still going to come and kick your ass in practice. But, <laughs> but, but it's not this like because I think it, you get to that level and it's like, well, I could just cut you out because those are my minutes and then it's going to affect yep. my future career. But it's like, no, actually, if Chris plays better in practice and gets more minutes in games, I'm going to be a better player. And they recognize yep. that. And then just and our team's going to be better. And then we get more exposure exactly. together. Right. And I, I think it's an important point to touch on. Right. And then and something that you've obviously taken away from Syracuse basketball, you can just see. You know, when you, when you talk about it, you kind of start to beam a little bit and you mentioned the, you know, the old dogs like Cycli and those guys. But yeah. when you have guys on your team that are willing to say, no, don't worry, man, you're good because they've been through it. Exactly. I think it just makes for a strong culture. So I think it says a lot um, about oh, yeah, probably man. why you stuck it out, too. Right. Because you had you oh, had 12 sure. dudes that, you know, had your back and you had their back, too. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It was really a we before me mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, we had guys like Johnny Flynn ends up going lottery to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But like having someone like that who obviously we, you know, there was guys like, like I said, Wes Johnson, you had the alum, John Wallace, who, you know, we were kind of not to say similar, but he's a big wing. You know what I mean? Yep. Like things like, so being able, guys like that, being able to come back and say, oh, listen, don't worry, you're good. Like you belong here. We, we play pickup in the summertime. Like you belong here. Trust me. That stuff, little stuff like that is huge. And like you said, Paul Harris being able to take the high road and be not be selfish. Because like you said, 
You know, we've seen it in movies or shows or whatever it is. Like someone comes to threaten your playing time or threaten your spot. You might, you know, what if Paul could have been a like an asshole and 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 like been been telling me wrong things. Like yo, I don't know the ropes. Like he could have been telling me do this. It was things that he knows would piss coach off, for instance. You know what I mean? Instead, he was helping me my whole way through. He was helping me out and making sure I was doing the right things, making sure that I'm, you know, if if he went to go work out, he was calling me, let's go get some shots up. Like he was bringing me along and it was like, coach, you want coach to see you in the gym? Because it was easy for me to be like, I'm not playing. What am I getting extra shots up for? You know, I could have had that mentality, but he wouldn't allow it. Right. And I obviously wanted to play. So going in, I didn't have that mindset. But imagine if I was the type of kid who things are going my way. I'm here on scholarship. I'm guaranteed four years. Hmm, I could sit the bench for four. I couldn't do that. You know, I could. But there's times where I've seen guys come through those doors and have that mi- mindset of I'm not playing. I'm content. I'm at Syracuse. I'm living good. The fans love me. You know, the girls, whatever it is that you want to, you know, whatever it is, like I'm cool here. But I could never be cool with not playing. And I knew that when I got cut. And they told me I could play when I was, we were up by a little or down by a lot, whatever it was. You know what I mean? I was never cool with that. So shout out to Paul and all those guys that held me accountable and made sure that I stuck on my shit. Shout out to Coach Rob Murphy, too, because obviously he knew he had the comp. He recruited me, right? So as a coach, as an assistant, you want your guys to do well. Yeah. So, you know, he, he really... He really pushed me, man. He pushed me. And he tells the story, you know, one of the days that I really felt like transferring was we played in that iconic six overtime game at the Garden against UConn, the instant classic during the Big East tournament. Yes. And, you know, I I knew I wasn't going to play, right? Because we had just, like, I get it. I understood, like, I I gotten a few DNPs and things like that. I coached, didn't trust me enough to play in those high caliber games. That's cool. But it was a time where everyone was falling, falling out. And he put a walk walk on in before he put me in, right? Although the walk on was a guard and it was a guard that was needed to play the top of the zone and whatever else maybe you could make excuses for. I took that as a super duper slap in the face. You know what I mean? And after that game, I ended up still going in there. I played center, which was crazy. Hashim to beat Jeff Agen right there, you know, Stanley Robinson. <laughs> Regardless of that, after the game, I'm like, yo, Coach Murphy, man, I'm gone. Like, they put, he put a walk on in before me. I'm like, he don't he doesn't trust me. Like he doesn't want me here. He don't trust me. I I I just no way around that. And he was able to again able to calm me down. And I'm glad that he did because that night, boy, I was, even it was two a.m. The game finished. We got back to the hotel about two a.m. I couldn't I couldn't even celebrate the way I wanted. I was happy we won. Obviously, that was an instant classic, ESPN classic. Literally the next day or right after, but I was pissed, man. You know that he put a walk on in before me. That was just and it, and it literally could be because. It's a guard, and he knows the top of the zone. I had never played the top of the zone before, but I'm like, damn. Like, it was just the fact that it was a walk-on. A shout-out to JT, the walk-on that he put in. He could have been a scholarship player anywhere else, right? But he was at Syracuse as a walk-on, but oh, that was crazy. Um, but I'm glad I stuck it out, man. So shout-out to all those guys, and shout-out to Coach Murphy for always giving me that confidence that I belonged along with everybody else. Yeah, coaching's hard, man. It's It's hard to juggle you know, 12, 15 dudes and make them all feel a part of it and understand exactly. that they're all coming from different situations from, you know, if they're from New York, they're from Montreal, have, yeah. you know, different upbringings and, and making that happen. And and those high intense moments to keep everybody bought in. And, and it's good that you stayed the course, man, this is dope. We could go for like three hours. They're also aware no of time, question. but uh, we're going to, we're going to get this out before final four uh, next weekend. So 
you know, let's just quickly talk about some of the runs your teams went on and, and the memories and moments that you had in terms of being with March Madness. You cool with that? Oh, no. Um, and how do you feel when you turn the TV on these days and you just kind of see it, right? Like, does it bring back, um, I mean, maybe some tough memories in terms of, you know, not making it to the Final Four, but like also going on some some crazy runs and knowing that, oh, yeah, no I mean, question. you play in the Carrier Dome. How many is it? 70,000? Probably they max out about yeah they max out about that for football games and things like that. Okay. But the most fans I ever played in front of was thirty six thousand and okay. change. You know, so like that was the biggest at the time. That was the biggest on campus crowd because we played Villanova my sophomore year, and that was that win would have solidified us to be the outright Big East winner. Um, it would have gave us the number one like I think we would have made we would have cracked number one top twenty five with that win, and that was huge. There was a lot riding on it. That team was stacked: Corey Fisher, Scotty Reynolds. So a couple, couple, who else was on that team, man? Um, what a shooter. I forget his name. They had a good team. But yeah, playing Villanova the Villanova annoying insane. to play against. Hell yeah. Four They're guards, so structured, one big. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, like, man. Like, they never they, beat they, themselves. They're so structured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And until this day, again, Final Four. Like, Jay Wright, Coach Jay Wright, he's, a, he's dope, man. He's, he does what he does. And since, yeah, he definitely does what he does. But that four guards, that four out one end thing that they had going, that was tough to play against. You know, because yeah. all their guards were penetrating the gaps. All of them could shoot. But that's how active our zone was. Our zone was crazy. And that's me coming in as a sophomore. When I say playing in meaningful games, like here I am. Last year, couldn't get a sniff. But now playing in a game that will give us outright Big East and number one in the country. And 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 when you go on, the, the analysts are talking about, you know, at the, other, at, at the other time we had my other guy, Scoop Jardine, coming off the bench and, you know, them saying that these two could play anywhere in the country and be starters, but they're playing for Syracuse and that's what makes them so good. But it's crazy because, you know, <laughs> Syracuse don't go deep into their bench, right? We go seven deep. You know, so yeah. it's five starters, two bench guys. The eighth man, he, you're going to play some spot minutes if, like, emergency situations, a file out or something like that. So Scoop and I were, like, leading. Well, we were, like, you know, we were the bench. You know what I mean? And our bench productivity was top in the country. And there's only really two of us. So that was insane. But, yeah. you know, going, we speak on March Madness. So just postseason play when you talk about Big East tournament or now the ACC oh. tournament or whatever. And uh, March Madness, like, a few weeks ago. I went down to New York City at the Barclays as a, like a member of the media because we have our show, the Devo show, and we had our media passes, and I'm sitting there on press row watching watching Syracuse play against uh, who they played against. Yeah, I think it was Florida State or something like that, right? And I'm like, ah, this is crazy. I want to suit up right now. Like This is bringing back, giving me chills. I'll watch the games on TV and I'm like, ooh, like I love the situation when it's crunch time, you're on the road, the fans are talking crazy to you and, you know, Buddy Beheim just makes a three and shuts the whole crowd up or something like that. And like, I love those moments. I live for them. Um, so so go, seeing the tournament and remembering some of the runs that we made, of course, my first year going to the tournament, I didn't play much, but seeing guys like a young James Harden at Arizona State, we beat them in, in Miami or first round, I believe it was in Miami. Uh, we beat uh, we we beat them boys, you know what I mean. And then we played we lose to Oklahoma with a young, super hyper athletic Blake Griffin, you know what I mean. And like just those memories right there, and me following the shit out of him one time because he wanted to dunk on me. And I'm like, no sir, not today. I know what you do, you know what I mean. I followed man, I followed man, I followed him crazy. My whole hand was on his four, my whole all five fingers were on his forearm, red. You know, you're I mean, not getting your arm above now. your head. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't. no way. You know, uh, like you, I go back. You go back to my sophomore year, iconic year. But we lose our big man, Lorenzo Onwaku, in the Big East tournament against Georgetown. I never forget. He tore something like his uh, 
quad tendons or something like that right above his knee. And, you know, that year we were projecting, you know, we were, I think we were overall number one seed, like the number one seed. We were definitely number one seed. That's where I played my brother in the first round of the tournament. We played Vermont, got them out of there. So that was another iconic moment. So when I think NCAA, when I think about March Madness, that's the first thoughts that come to my head is like, man, I'm from Montreal, Quebec. My brother, who I follow as a blueprint, as my idol, you know what I mean? And as a kid, I tell him all the time now that he's my idol. But as a kid growing up, you're like, yeah, I'm not telling him that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I appreciate you, but I'm not telling you. But now today, I tell him all the time. I probably tell him too much, maybe. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, I'm thinking, yo, this is insane. And they, they did it. It was, we were on ESPN talking first take. We were this, that place doing interviews and going out to, you know, one where the game was about to start. They made it so, you know, in the NCAA tournament, you call one guy from one team and one guy from the next and they meet at half court, dap up or whatever it is. And obviously they did it so it'd be me and him meeting up in the middle. That was an emotional moment for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, damn, my, my we, we played in Buffalo, which was, uh, it enabled my family to come watch the game and they had made these shirts, you know, the Joe Bro show, half orange, half green, my nieces and nephew with signs, my uncle this, you know, my uncle. So that was big time. That was an emotional moment for myself, for my family, like, for them, you know, to make them proud. So just to, there's know, no way that that's happened in Canada. That. You, you got to yeah. be the only family. Have you, has there ever been a brother or sister combo that's played against each other in the tournament? That's I wild, don't, man. I don't think so. Yeah, that's wild. First, you know, that's what it, it's it all about, man. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And you know, again, nothing by like coincidence. Nah, like this is supposed to happen. My brother transfers from Michigan State to Vermont, has to sit out a year, which makes it so that his senior year is my sophomore year and they win their tournament and we like we were number one they were 16 like come on man you know that's you know um you know i have a picture that i got uh uh, an artist made shout out to melissa from toronto she made this it was a painting of my brother and i at the free throw line you know we were next to each other and i have it in my son's room just like you know i know that's a random thing to say but just so he could see his uncle and his dad like you know i mean he's gonna understand the importance of that one day and he's gonna have that 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 photo there as a like reminder, like that's wild. So yeah, that's thinking not random, about man, that's a great share, random, man. I yeah. mean, he's 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 looking at that picture every day, and even even if he's not thinking about it, he's processing that, and he's yeah. like, wow, that's my uncle, and my dad, like, you know, yes, that's, that's crazy. Cool. And once he understands the like how big the NCAA is for one, and like you know, he knows a little about little NBA, you know, Space Jam, LeBron, and all that stuff. Yeah. Although yeah, I hate yeah. when he thinks says Space Jam and says LeBron. But hey, it is right? <laughs> it's what it is. We had um, to watch we had to watch one before we watched two. Yeah, I was like, there's yeah. no chance. You no need doubt, to know who the no monsters doubt. are, man. Exactly. <laughs> the real monsters, yep. And um, you know, I think about that run we losing the Elite Eight to Butler, who ends up losing to Duke in the finals. But like I think like damn, if we have a Renze, we make it in my mind, we make it to the he would have he was the the difference maker for our team. Yeah. You know, shot like seventy percent and field goal percentage you know he was getting everything under the 6'9 260 can't move him you know my sophomore year my junior year wasn't so great you know we end up losing in the second round to Marquette but um my my last year we go to the Elite Eight once more we lose to Ohio State but again we lose our big man Fab Mello rest in peace Fab Mello shout out to him mm-hmm. uh he he ends up you know, getting in trouble or they, you know, some compliance things. They said he didn't write his papers. I don't know how, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Right? But he can't play. And he was big for us. You know, he would have been able to stop whether it was Jared Sullinger. Like, he was our anchor back there. He won defensive player of the year in the Big East that year. 
And he was averaging like two point, maybe three point something blocks. Obviously big shot, you know, just altering shots and being our pick and roll guy and being that one-two punch that we needed down low, that 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 uh balance that we needed. We ended up having a start of freshman, Rakeem Christmas, who ended up having a great career at Syracuse and, you know, got drafted. But at the time he wasn't ready for that action. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, but it's amazing, man. The tournament is just a it's an amazing time. From the little details, such as I was just explaining to somebody the other day, like going to the practice facility or going to the gym, you got police uh, motorcycles just guiding you to the gym, just so everything is smooth, no traffic. You're gonna get there when you're supposed to. Like, just I'm like, man, I've never been somewhere that the bus just didn't stop until you got to where you're to where you're going. You know what I mean? Red lights, we didn't have to stop stop it. No red light, like it was crazy. They had all blocked off, all time well. You go out, you have your little um the press practice where the fans are able to come watch you play and you know, you're just doing three man weave and just dunking the ball and just doing things for the fans to get excited. You know, I met Reggie Miller there, you know what I mean? Like little things. It's the best time, you know, it's the best time of the year for real you see these upsets now you see coach uh you know uh, uh holloway you know st peter's what he's doing what they're doing you know there's always a cinderella story or it's amazing man because these teams it just goes to show that it doesn't matter as a kid you think you got to go to kansas syracuse kentucky whatever it is listen you can go to st peter's you know because at the end of the day put some respect on their name they were the best team in their conference yeah they might not be as athletically gifted as you know a team like kansas or whoever but them boys could play and they're well coached. And you go to a team like that, if you just have discipline, you know, um, you could win basketball games, right? You have discipline, sure, you, you stick to the script, man. You know, you could do some great things. So it's amazing. The postseason is just a fun time to to play. And I was crushed, man, when we lost to Ohio State, just knowing that was my lot, my last college basketball game. And like, I'll never put on a Syracuse jersey again. Like, I, those were the best four years of my life. Th that Those four years really built me, you know, on and off the court and taught me so much, you know what I mean? And it was it was tough for me to be like, eh, I'm never going to play for Syracuse again. Like, this, you got to go back to campus. You know, you're there, you're finishing up school and things like that, but there's no more practice. You know, you're, I was in there working out, getting ready for my pre-draft stuff, but I'm never playing for Syracuse again. So you really have to cherish those moments because it really does go by fast. We'll be back after a quick break. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Goodlot Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop a Hoops Journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. I can only imagine like the hype too about, you know, if you make it out of that first weekend 
You get back to go to campus for three, four days. People are hype. You make it out the next weekend. It's yeah. even more hype. Like it must have just been bonkers. There's probably, you know, Nike shipping new gear every weekend. Oh, and like, yeah. It's just no, like, no. it's crazy, right? Oh, can, I ask yeah, a, yeah. can I ask a goofy coaching question? Oh, I'm just curious. Sure. I, went to the, I went to the Coach K clinic about, I don't know, about 10 years ago. And he was talking about how they never scrimmage for more than two or three minutes at a time because of so many media timeouts. And sometimes I watch these games, right? And then a coach will call a timeout knowing that, the next possession back, it's the media timeout, right? And so how did how did you guys did you guys talk about that in practice? Did you scrimmage differently because of it? Because it was Coach Beheim just sort of this is how we do things and we're gonna stick to the plan this way. Yeah. I just found no, that we, to be interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's really interesting actually. But now Coach Beheim, how we did it, we scrimmaged and we we went all out. You know what I mean? There was we yeah. weren't thinking about media timeouts or anything. But honestly, I don't think many schools coach or many coaches coach like Coach Beheim. He really has his program ran like a like a professional team, right? Like an NBA team. He doesn't force you, let's just say, to do anything, right? Mm. You don't wanna you don't wanna work out, all right, you won't play. But if you do want to play, if you do want to get better, like everything is here for you. You got the shooting guns. You got the assistant coaches. You got managers to come rebound for you if you want. We got a state-of-the-art weight room. We got the best trainer. Uh, shout out to Brad Pike in, in probably college basketball for me personally. Obviously, I'm going to say that, right? Shout out to Brad. He got me right when I had knee surgery. But we have everything there for you. So we're not going to force you to, to work out. I'm not going to force you, but you better want to. You're here, right? He, he's not so hands-on. Right. Yeah. Interesting. In that sense. And so um, he probably knows, too. He just walks into a gym. Oh, you don't want to work. OK, well, you after this year, <laughs> yeah, you're not no, going to be wearing the orange. Gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, forget not get, playing like, like we're, we'll recruit over you. Right. So that's what it is. You get recruited yeah. over. Right. You're not making yeah. any progress. You're going to get recruited over. And that could have been me my freshman year. Like he get, he told me what he told me. And I said I had to take it upon myself. Like there was no one. The, the, during the summertime, you know, saying, Chris, go work out two times a day. I was in there two times doing my cardio, doing my two, like go and play pickup, change my diet, drinking a gallon of water a day, two gallons of water a day. You know what I mean? Like strict, 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 man. And yeah. that's what it was about. Like he's not on you to, to yeah. figure out if you're going to do that or not. It's funny, man, as a high school coach, you know, I'm in like 18th year or whatever, but I remember when I was young, I would almost want it more than the kids, you know, and it became yeah. unhealthy. It became unhealthy. That's so tough. it's good to hear even at the D division one level, right? It's like the gym's open, the weight room's open. You can choose to have your diet, but don't expect to make a run at the provincial championships if mm -hmm. we don't take care of business in October to, to exactly. January, February. Right. And it's interesting exactly. to hear that that same approach is like, and it, it, I found like, why am I up late at night? You know, these 16, 17 year old kids are probably sleeping well. well I'm like losing my mind about why we're not playing well, but if you don't want to put the work in, there's nothing I can do, right? So, yeah, interesting. that's tough. That's tough. And that's something that I'm thinking about because I'll be coaching next year. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I never want to be put in a position where like, I have to let these kids know how passionate I am about the game of basketball and how much I despise people disrespecting the game. Like, don't come into the gym without a set plan. Don't come in and shoot fadeaway threes. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, do not. Please, please. You know, I'm all for Thank celebrating. You. you know, I had an iconic yeah. celebration against uh, Georgetown where I brought out the machine gun one time. You know, I could send you a picture of that. But like, you know, and the ref was like, all right, Chris, enough with the guns. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, oh, damn, these these refs know me by first name. That's pretty cool. But, uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no. Nah, so I understand, but it's like though I don't want to. I don't want to care more about winning than you do, or care more about your progression than you do. Like I keep telling kids, and when I go, you know, I, it'd, be, it'd be times where I'm, I, I go give like uh, I'll do a little clinic and I speak to the kids afterwards, and I tell them the best advice I could give you is you can't want it like someone else can't want it more for you than you want it for yourself flat out like if you don't want to put the time in then don't expect like your mom to you better tell your parents now like because where you want to go that's not going to cut it where you think you want to go where you want to be where you see yourself is easy to wake up and say i want to be a professional basketball player mind you i'm not saying the nba i'm just saying a professional period your mindset is everything you know, so if you don't want it for yourself, don't be mad when like, all right, well, someone who does put the work in and starts getting more playing time or whatever it is. Right. You got to want it for yourself. You got to put the work in because there's no cheating the grind. Like you can't wake up and and if you can't after a practice workout game or whatever it is. And of course, you know, you're always going to feel like you, you could do more. But if you can't look in yourself in the mirror, or if you can look in yourself in a mirror and it's like, you know, the answer and you ask, did you play your hardest today or did you do everything possible to win from an individual? You know, you can't control everybody, but you did you do everything that you could have to win the game or get better today in practice? And you got to be real with yourself at that day because you got to wake up with yourself, man. It's, that's it. Preach. Love it, man. This is it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the young people, we have a few young ballers that listen to this show. I know some coaches out here that make their team listen to it. And this is a man who's walked the walk, talked the talk, and been there and done that. And he's telling you, look at yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself. This is called feedback, people. If you're not willing to take feedback and have Coach Beheim tell you you're out, you know, you're out of shape and you don't shoot the ball well enough, you know, Chris Joseph can walk out of that meeting and say, well, F coach Bayheim, he's crazy. He's yep. tripping or he can go, maybe I need to look at myself and put some work in. Right. And for young people and that, and regardless, to be honest, Chris, like if these guys don't make it to, you know, division one or pro ball, they'll learn so much about life. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, and, and no that's, doubt. that'll, that'll translate into whatever business they choose, whatever they, you know, in the relationships they're in. And that's the important stuff. Right. So thank you for sharing that, man. No doubt, man. No doubt. Super aware of your time, and I don't want to brush past like anyone making in the NBA, but just give us a quick thought about your overall pro career. And you talked about it at the start of the show. You know, you feel like body wise and mind wise, you know, basketball on the playing side is sort of coming to an end, and you're you're starting to get into the coaching thing and figuring stuff out. But man, from from smoke meat poutine to the NBA, <laughs> man. I mean, how about that? Crazy, oh, right? Ah. Oh. Amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, I couldn't have, you know, I, I wrote, you know, in my sixth grade, uh, whatever it is, yearbook like that I wanted to, again, you know, I, I said I wanted to become a professional basketball player. And, you know, you hear the stories all the time. You tell your teacher yeah. this and she's and your teacher's like, well, you know, that's not so realistic. Why don't you try to do it? Or why don't, I'm like, yeah. well, damn. All right. Well, listen, lady, this is what I put in my, in my thing. I'm not changing it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I didn't <laughs> change it. And even that, so for that to happen, you know. Oh, like in your end was, of the year write-up, you mean? Like, yeah, this exactly. was a great school year. My future yeah. goal is to make the uh, play exactly. pro ball. Ah, nice. Yep. Yeah, you did. Yep. And she was like, I'm not sure. Like, what do they know? You know, and that's another thing. Like, she, oh, man, just can't listen to anybody else at the end of the day. You got to believe. But so it's for from that to, you know, draft night, being home with my, my family and friends and hearing my name called Surreal. Surreal at the time before I didn't have kids at that time, but like that was the best moment of my life till I had, you know, 
one, my daughter, then my son, then it's getting drafted. You know what I mean? Like those, those things, like it was amazing. Like all the work that I had put in all the, you're just thinking about all the uh, damn suicides you ran since you were nine years old and the 6am workouts where you're thinking, why am I doing this at six? We can do this at 10. Like, let me get my sleep. All this paid off. And like, now I just heard my name called by at the time, Adam Sim- Silver, he was the assistant um, commissioner. He was the one that actually called my name and, and, and speaking of Doc Rivers. And now I'm going, I'm going to a place where I'm going to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with my guy, Paul Pierce, who him, T-Mac, Mello, those are the kind of like guys who I model my game after in a sense, you know, Paul Pierce, real laid back, seem like, but a killer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get to a spot, don't get sped up, step back, mid range, like, super dope and i'm like damn this is like one of my favorite players ever like who i model my game after and i'm about to be playing with him i can see that actually that makes sense it's surreal i see i see it i see it yeah surreal and the boston celtics of all teams and exactly (laughs) boston celtics is you know what i mean that's what i'm saying it was it was nuts and um so a dream come true to say the least definitely like a literal dream come true i literally had dreamt as a kid at Syracuse, whoever playing like on on teams with T Mac and playing with Tim Duncan, like these dreams where I'm like, ah, I wake up and I'm like, damn, that was fake, huh? That was a dream. That sucks, but that was fun. I was on the same court as them for a little while, but then to actually be there and practicing at that point, it was Rondo. There was no just the year Ray Allen left, so it was Rondo, KG, and Paul Pierce, Jeff Green, Jason Terry, Barbosa was on that team, Darko Milicic, uh, Chris Wilcox. Courtney Lee, Jeff Green, yep. Uh, uh, what's my boy name? Brandon Bass, you know, oh, yeah. Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was on that team. So we had a nice little team, you know, gifting a curse at the same time because, you know, there was no minutes for me at all. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So that's where I start getting, I got assigned to the D League team in Maine. And even that, like, super dope experience, right? I was able to play. I did well. But just the brotherhood, and like like I said in the beginning of the show, like, I'm not hard to get along with. And I realized that because, <laughs> you know, like, everybody was, was riding for me. So I know Paul Pierce would be watching my D-League games, and he would be, you know, giving me feedback afterwards. Or so the next day, i come back to Boston. You know, it's like a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive between Maine and where we practiced that. So I'd go play a game, then drive back to my apartment uh, right there in Waltham, Mass., where the, where the practice facility was. And he would, we'd play one-on-one before every practice. And I'm still, till this till at that time, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I just played one-on-one against Paul Pierce and yeah. almost won. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, got some buckets. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He got some buckets, you know, <laughs> seven, three, seven, four. Like, I was there. I was close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, he starts calling phantom fouls at some points, you know. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So that was like, a, that was a, a dream come true, man. And having to... People sometimes, kids would be like, kids who have no idea, right? They would be like, hmm. so why did you leave the NBA? And I keep telling them, like, trust me, I wouldn't have left if I had, if the decision was mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I wouldn't have. I, that's the best place to be. World-class organizations, like, just the, everything, the hotels you stay at, the way you travel, like, it was amazing, man. And just to still have relationships with some of those guys, like a guy like Jeff Green, who to me is probably top five nicest people in the world. You know what I mean? Like, give you the clothes off his back, the shoes off his feet. Like no questions, no hesitation. I, you know, still get to talk to him. You know, I could, I could have conversations with, with Melo, you know what I mean? Like just being, you know, so it's dope. And Melo is obviously a Q's connect, but like just, you know, having those connections and building those relationships, you know what I mean? It was super dope uh, for me. Like I said, it was a dream come true. You see these guys, you know, you play with them on the video game, you see them, you know, win championships, 
and to be, you know, on the same court with them, being able to have conversations and pick their brain. Amazing. You used a word that has been mentioned many times on this show in its relationships and through the game of basketball. And you, you're going to find this for yourself. I mean, you've already mentioned it, but as you get into coaching, you're going to tap into those relationships even more. What am I doing wrong? What should I do here? What do you think yeah. about this? How do we guard the pick and roll here, right? And in the end, the wins are nice, the championships, the awards, but isn't it about the people we meet and the connections we make and that and then and the bonds that we build along the way, right? Those relationships are you know, you can meet up, you may be able to text Paul Pierce one day, he's in town, you guys go for a beer. Like yep. 20 years later, you know, and just like it was yesterday, right? So exactly. You know, thanks for touching on that. And how beautiful basketball lets you travel the world man like putting a little orange Amazing. ball through hoop and you're, yeah, you're going all yep. over the world like france i was in france italy so you know i'm very grateful like i'm a grateful yeah. like for everything you know what i'm saying like i wake up and i know it's like cliche but i literally wake up and like some t- like some days and, and you know how cold it gets in montreal right or it could get yep. anywhere in canada most places in canada but i'm talking about some days like I'll just go outside on the balcony with my shorts and a t-shirt on in the winter with some boots on and just so I could feel the cold a little bit. I'm just grateful for like waking up, you know, let me, let me feel something. I'm grateful to be alive. You know what I mean? So like I'd wake up in France and I'd wake up and I'm like, wow, like this is amazing. Like I go to the Eiffel tower to the, you know, and you, you know, I'm like, like I would never ever for no, I would never go to France. I don't believe like, you know, before you go to France or you go to Paris, like you're going on vacation to Cabo or something like that. You're yeah, going yeah. somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to Brindisi, Italy, in the south of Italy for a vacation. But I was able to go there and play for 10 months and bring my fiance with me. And like, you know, my son, you know, he wasn't born out there, but that's where, you know, he might as well be Italian. You feel me? Yeah, like, yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, this is this is amazing, man. So, you know, I'm just very grateful for these opportunities. I played in France more than I played anywhere else. But every year that I went there, it was like, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I'm so grateful that this game has brought me here and, like, showed me a whole new world. Like, you know, I, I was able to go to Spain, like, just see different cultures, meet different people, friends I've met in France who I played with, who I'm still cool with till this day, who came, who come to Montreal to visit me and things like that. Because we had, in one year, we were able to build such a, 10 months, really, if you want to get yeah. technical, you know, mm-hmm. build such a strong relationship and um, through basketball, you know, a lot of the people that I know is because my best friends is because of basketball like i said the you know the Ke- kevin kenny and chris that crew right there i ain't gonna say what we called ourselves once again but you know <laughs> you know them guys those are my guys you know what i mean and because of basketball they brought me to sun youth and like those are my yeah you know we're like this you know what i'm saying like so the relationships that you built through this game and the relationships that the doors that it helped you know open for me and like being able to play basketball got me this little you know the Devo and Chris Joe show the relationship that Eric Devendorf and I had you know I only played with him one year one year you know what I mean but we were so like this like we 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 connected he said you know what he's like oh Chris uh, we're doing a little thing and I told them that I don't want to do it. they asked me who I want to do it with and I told them immediately with no hesitation I said I want you on the show because your personality because you know you're just a good dude whatever whatever so how you treat people is, is important I tell these kids all the time like it's one thing to be a good basketball player but it's better thing to be a good human you know what I mean like I tell them all the time if all I'm remembered for is for playing basketball then I'm disappointed honestly like 
I'd rather be remembered for. Yeah, of course, you know, it was cool. I played at Syracuse. I, you know, played overseas and things like that. But if you ever get a chance to meet me and all you remember me for is for playing basketball, it's like, damn, I don't, I don't really like that because I feel like the way, you know, you make people feel is the way they should remember you and why they should remember you first before, you know, it should be basketball secondary. You know what I mean? Take him to church. It is Sunday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> These kids need you, man. I love hearing that, man. That gives me a little bit of goosebumps as a, you know, I've got a lot of years of coaching left, but to, to have that impact and those things, man, you got the right mindset. That's, that's dope to hear. It. Let's do some fun questions and get you on your way. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, man. Hey, so we got huge... time, man. We, we, hey, look, there's no rush. We could do for another four or five. What, what, you, what type of song you got? No, let's do it. <laughs> I'm not trying to get rid of you. But I'm loving this, man. Trust me. I've been excited about this episode for a long time. When you reached out to us, I was like, I hope this guy's willing to do it. And I think it says a yeah, lot because no uh, um, it helps grow the game, man. And, and I love connecting with people. Now, when you make it out West Coast, you need a gym. Exactly. We got you. You need a. You need. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, you get. When's the last time you've been out to Vancouver? Anyways, man, probably been a minute. Well, honestly, I mean, to spend a couple of days, it's been a while. Yep. But so, like, the last time I was there for a couple of days was for camp, the Steve Nash camp. And this is when I was still like maybe I was like 15 years old or so, and we had wow. a camp up there. But I recently was there. I think last it was last summer because we played Fraser Valley in the CBL. Oh yeah. I, have a, yeah, yeah! I have a homeboy who who lives from Montreal that lives. Matter of fact, funny story: two friends that live in Vancouver. One being my guy Nico Suave, who laughed when I told him I was going to Syracuse. He Still lives here. in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> and then my my other friend Sheed, man, he lives out there in, in BC. So when he came to pick me up, I forget what area Fraser Valley's in, but he came to yeah, pick me up, and then we just. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, we Steve. drove to beach to, to Van. Yep. He yeah. came, picked me up. We drove to Vancouver and it was late. Like, so he just showed me a little bit around, told me about all the beaches they have around there and all that. I'm like, I got to come back because the vibe out here is immaculate. You know what I mean? Like, I need to come out there. I can I can just tell by how you'd love it. All right. <clears throat> Controversial topic here on this show. And you don't. So don't roll your eyes. Take it serious, man. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? I am. Um, you know the ketchup man out here you know what i mean like i put ketchup on macaroni i put ketchup on my, my potato well obviously potatoes but like my my girl finds it so weird that i put ketchup on so many things so i'm a ketchup guy i put we ketchup on my friend, mac and cheese a good friend and a colleague he's like he's the guy like we go out for dinner and they they don't, they don't bring the squeeze tube they bring you like a little cup and he's like Can I get five more of those please is that you <laughs> You just dip nah. in and you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at home, for sure, I got okay. my hinds and I just go go to work. Yeah. All right. Um, dead or alive, the artist. You got the best seat in the house. You and your fiance or whoever you want to take. What concert are you going to? Five. Sure. Oh, you want to give us? Oh, oh no, give no, us five. Said, okay. No, no, no. I thought you no. said so. Okay. No, nah, honestly. Okay. Are you a hip hop one, guy? Yeah, I'm a hip hop guy. I'm okay, a hip hop so guy. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, if we're checking your Spotify or iTunes, what's what like? What are some of the the artists that are most on rotation for you? Honestly, man, it's gonna sound cliche, but Jada Kiss for sure. That's my like. He's really top five dead or alive. So Kiss, Hov, uh, Old Wayne. Uh, recently, now what you would see, you would see uh, a lot of Rod Wave. Okay. Right, he's new. Uh, a lot of raw wave, and uh, who would I say is my fifth? I mean, 
I think Drake got bumped up. It might be like, oh, you know who's in my my fifth now is Dave, UK guy. Dave, okay. man. Yeah, Dave. yeah, but it, Dave is his name. Yep, from the UK. He was in Top Boy, but you know, I'm a, I'm big on like. Him up with a stick, stick. Need you the shorter one. You can't short me one. In the club with the shortest one. Lighty, the shortest All hip hop, like Meek Mill, and like, you know, I like Slick Rick. Like, you know, but if you say top five people on my, in rotation on my Spotify now, it's them five. Yep. Okay. Yep. And who so you want to see live? Live, Michael Jackson. Yes. Would that not be Michael Jackson? That would be insane. Um, I used to warm up to Michael Jackson. You know, between you between did. him and Whitney Houston, uh, they used to get a lot of play. You know, during my warm ups, like at Syracuse <laughs> or wherever. Even to this day, yeah, Whitney Houston it calmed me down. I, like I just like the the way they sounded, like the, what it did for me. You know what I mean? But just it's so it's amazing, man. You know, like it's the man. Like Mike man was ahead of his baby. times in terms of like. In terms of like what you see when you go to a concert now, in terms of like performance, you know, Mike was ahead of his time in terms of like what he was man. doing, man. The dancing, the singing, everything. Oh man. my goodness, crowd pleasing, yeah. no question. Like I'd love to, I'd love to be there and just see someone pass out. Of course, be well, you know yes. what I mean. But like you, you know, they were passing out. Like I need to leave. I paid for these seats. Now I gotta leave on a stretcher. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I hope you know. Like this is nuts. You know, he really had that effect, man. Shout out to Mike Jackson, man. So yeah. true. Good call. What's it? You got a favorite movie all time? Favorite movie of all time. Top two or three. Boom. Lion King. So I go Lion King. So if we're going three, Lion King. And I tell you why. Lion King teaches you. It's like so is more deep. Like it teaches you about family, values, friendship. You know what I mean? So when you look at it deeper than just, you know, my boy came back to take the throne and all that, my boy Simba, like you got to learn like how how valuable friendship is and like accountability, all kind of things like that. It teaches you these life lessons. So Lion King's in my top three. John Q, you know, like, could I put like, could I tie John Q and Man on Fire in one and make that a one, two and then my fourth? Yeah. Okay. Corbin like appreciates that. that. And then, of course, you know, I got to throw in one of my favorite movies of all time for real. It's Paid in Full. Wow, man, the, the listeners, I'm mind blown. Wow, The Lion King is that Disney? Is, is that Disney? Is it Disney? Yeah. They owe, yep. they owe you some money after that review, man. They owe you some money. <laughs> I love it. So I guess I guess the kids have watched Lion King a few times. Oh my goodness, countless. Don't have a countless choice. Amount of yeah. Times. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> family um, value who, man it teaches you about family man i'm telling you yeah you got it and you've touched on that a lot this year so or this episode and I, I think we know the answers but who have been some of the most important people in your life up to this point my brother my you know what honestly i can't say just i got you know we got these matching tattoos my sisters i'm the, I'm the last of four you know what i'm saying okay. and we got um these matching tattoos um with the with the with DAF on it, and that's like diamonds are forever. And the reason we got those was because we're such a close knit, like you know, sibling group. Um, of course, when you're young, you know, like you... family and loyalty, or even rap songs. You know, the gangster J Cole. Come on now, yeah, you know yeah, that song. No, no, J Cole, J Cole. Oh, J Cole is a killer too. He's a, he's cold blooded. Oh man, Kendrick. But we can get into that. Um, but yeah, so we got these tattoos, and the thing is, is because. 
I was in DC, my brother's in Michigan, my sisters are here in Montreal, and like it was one of those things where we said, let's get matching tattoos because you know what, no matter the distance, no matter the distance, like that, diamonds are forever and that's what we got done. So my siblings as one, my mother, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's it, that's it, man. So my siblings, my mother, man, and they've been the most important people. Yeah, and you've touched, you've touched on a lot of people that, and I think, especially when you're involved in basketball, there's people that come and go, like you've talked about some yeah. coaches, but there's always that foundation that's with you, you're, you know, throughout and that's beginning it. to end. That's you know? it, man. And that's, that's that the support was, you know, of course, like she didn't want, like, come on, if my mom don't let me leave to go to DC, like I said, you know, I wouldn't be here today, like talking to you on this platform. I wouldn't. Yeah. So well, I just hit you yeah. with, I hit you with a, hit, hit with a gang star, J Cole song. And it's uh it's called family and loyalty so check it out after we get off this episode i think you'll like the chorus man okay another huge topic you finish a training session with some kids you're getting a little munchy you're hungry maybe break the diet or whatever what bag of chips are you grabbing miss vicky salt and vinegar chips off top huh off top there's no questions no debate miss vicky's that's it. salt and vinegar chips that's it that's it. There's been a few Miss Vicky uh, top, you know, like there's five, six people that have mentioned that as their as their goat. Yeah, you get to the point where it like starts to burn the roof of your mouth a little bit, or oh, do you yeah. walk away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm here, the corner of my mouth, all that. It's like yeah. I, 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 it burns, but it's, I can't stop. You know what I need me if I'm doing the Miss Vicky's, I gotta yeah. have my Simply's lemonade right there, right there next to me. So I need a glass about this yep. size right here. Yep. Fill it up grab the bag of chips i don't even grab a bowl because it, it doesn't matter it's forget about it yeah. Done. yeah yeah it's just let me get the bag and the, and the lemonade and i'm good <laughs> why waste the dish right exactly <laughs> exactly if you could go back to any game good or bad you could change the result relive a moment is there a game that stands out for you that um that game my sophomore year i'd say that gave us outright number one and stuff like that just because of what was on the line, I was a pivotal part of that team. And, you know, that was that's something I want to relive. Like that moment was dope because I had, you know, two of my homeboys in the crowd as well. They were there. That was their first time in Syracuse. That's the game they chose to come to. At the time when they said they want to come to this game, we didn't know how much we would have been riding on that game you yeah. know, going into it. So for them to come out and see me play for the first time um, and, and it'd be that game it was dope. If I had a second one, it would obviously be the six overtime game. And the way I would recreate and relive it, I'm a starter as a freshman. I finished the game with 30. You know what I mean? One of those good, <laughs> one of those joints. But no, definitely the, 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 my sophomore year against Villanova. Not sub you in and put you at the top of the zone and then get lit up or? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. No, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, usually the, it's usually the ones that you, you, for your own personal self, you wouldn't be able to put that into words for someone else, right? Those moments, those special games, yeah. right? It's like, I can't even explain to you how upon reflection it feels, right? So cool that you have some moments like that, man. A couple more, man. Two are some top yeah. players to you that stand out all time. I mean, obviously you've mentioned Paul Pierce playing one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> you know, Kevin Garnett. But for you, is there someone who maybe could be a known name or an obscure name that you got to go up against and you were like, damn, this, this is a hooper? Man, where do I? Where do I? Like, no, honestly, you could pass. Man, Kevin, Kevin Durant, no, KD. So this is my. Um, I want to say, I believe this was after my sophomore year. So after I went Big East six man, 
I get invited to Kevin Durant, like small forward camp, and then Paul Pierce in Chicago. But Paul Pierce had this camp going on at the same gym. Uh, what's my boy that trained, used, used to train Jordan? Um, Tim Grover. So yeah. his facility or whatever it was, wherever he trains, that's where the camp was being held. Nice. So it's Paul Pierce and KD. Um, so like at this camp, we got Harrison Barnes. We had like uh, Kyle Singler. There was uh, Alec Burks. So there was a bunch of guys who you know had great went on to have great careers. Um, but KD wasn't there the first like two days of camp. But then like on the third day, he ends up showing. He ends up showing up. Like randomly as we're doing drills, we're playing like one-on-one, different clothes, like off closeouts or whatever it is from the top of the key. And man, not to toot my own horn, but I was killing. Yeah. Right? So I'm going crazy. Toot away, like man. I'm going, I, I'm I'm going, I'm going crazy. <laughs> and um, I'm killing Harrison Barnes at the top of the key, going crazy, like honestly destroying him. And KD walks in as I hit him with a right to left step back three. And I, you know, and I said some you know, I was talking my shit a little bit and I said, you can't guard me, mother So I went kind of crazy, but this is just me in my zone now because I'm going crazy. Yeah. So KD walks in, he likes the energy. He suits up right away. He had to get a piece of this action, you know what I mean? And so he subs in or at some point, he's he's now he's playing after he's done warming up. Man, that man's unbelievable. And this is in 2010, I want to say, after my summer, you know, yep, 2010. Summer 2010, man, KD's with, obviously at that point, OKC, but man, like, unguarded, like, it's, I don't know, man. Like, I really don't believe people make him miss. Like, like he misses a shot. You really don't make him. Like, I maybe a few, maybe a few times. But man, KD was super tough to guard. Super tough. Never seen that. Like, he's six, really six eleven, whatever he is. Shoot, like I'm six seven, and it's like he's shooting over me, like over me. But again, that's another relationship through that camp. You know, what I mean, that was one of the one of the dopest moments of my college career was having KD tweet out. That same exact thing that I was just telling you about, like he just tweet, had tweeted out, man, I just walked into camp and I just seen Chris Joseph kill whatever it is, Harrison Barnes. And like, it was it was cool because um, like that was like KD is KD at the end of the day. So we're playing pickup <laughs> and we play, you know, with the Paul Pierce didn't play, but KD is like young. Like at this point, he's like young. He's still young, but he was like 20, I guess six, maybe five, who knows? Yeah. Um, and, or even 24 or whatever it was. And he, we played, he played pickup with us. And to, you know, it was like the schoolyard, you know, like, who's he gonna pick? And he was like, yeah, I got Chris. And that was like validation, like, yeah, okay. So he knows I'm one of them, you know what I mean? So that was super dope. So KD is is one of the, one of the most unguardable guys ever. <laughs> yeah, literally in the history of all basketball, he's insane, man. Um, two questions. Is there anyone out there off the top of your head who you'd like to see a Canadian hooper get on a hoops journey? Um, that you could help get us on, that you think has a good story and yep. and would be willing to sit down with us? 100%. Junior Kadugan, if he hasn't ah, been on already. He hasn't. Would love to. Junior Kadugan. Junior Kadugan, and why I say that is because, you know, me being in Montreal, I knew about Junior. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. in Toronto. So, however, there's no social media back then, but, you know, the word gets around through the hoops world. And um, when I first got the, you know, I did some junior national stuff at Humber College in Toronto and seeing junior, like, and just seeing that the hype that he had around him when they were saying, like, he was at 14 or 15 working out with the men's national team and doing well and, like, you know, going head to head with Steve Nash and, like, 
And this is when Steve Nash was was that man, you know what I mean, playing for whoever it was at that time, Dallas or whoever it might be. I can't remember Phoenix. Um, so yeah, and he has an amazing story too with whether it's his own dynamic leaving. So he he also left to go to high school in the states. Him yeah. and uh, Olu Ashaolu, they went to Life Christian or something like that in like Georgia or something. And uh, I think that he has a great story, man. A great a great hoops journey himself. He left. He uh, you know OG of like Canada basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, a young OG, let's just say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Myself, yeah. him, no, a couple yeah. of us. And yep. uh, yeah, I could definitely help get him on the show. And, and, and he, I think he would be great to sit down with. I've heard nothing but great things about the man. Uh, um, yeah. and, a dog. You, you know, he's a yeah. dog. You know, That's the type of guy you want on your team. Because you know what? If something if something was to go down in the sense where, oh, yeah, you do, if there was some extra static, he would be in the middle of that, ready for whatever. Yeah. And then he's yeah, a leader. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a leader. So that's nice. the guy you need. All right, Junior. Next up, man. All right, man. This has been amazing. Uh, you know, it's, we've been going back and forth trying to figure out a time to get this done. I, but I always find, like you've mentioned many times on this, these little moments that have come up for you, these weird sort of timing things. And I feel like this was just the timing was perfect on a on a Sunday morning for us, Sunday afternoon for you to just sit back, go back down memory lane, chop it up, yeah, man, get to know each other dope. a bit. Yeah. But when you think about everything that you've accomplished, all the places you've been, the games that you've been a part of, the tough practices, um, if you could do it all again, you would what? If I could do it all again i would declare for the draft my sophomore year ah if i more. could do it all over again i would declare for the draft after that six man of the year but you know i was so at that point i'm like you know uh wes johnson was leaving to go you know he was a certified lock for top five um and he was leaving so like in a sense where again yeah i played a big role on this team but next year i'm the man like i'm the one that teams are coming in saying okay chris is is on the top of our scout report and we need to figure out a way to stop him right so there was that you know that year we had Dion waiters coming in fab mellow cj fear we had a good class recruiting class coming in at the same time you go to college yeah i want to i want to win a national championship you know what i mean so i'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself you know i have that checkout meeting with coach Beheim was much different year two than it was year one <laughs> you know <laughs> fresh off a of six man and like he knows he's losing some guys and now he has to you know speak a little differently although i had a good year regardless you couldn't say nothing bad i didn't like i could I, I couldn't have had a better year you know but he's telling me like you know you come back to school next year we have dion we have cj we have fab you know duh, 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 duh. we have a chance to win a national championship which every year that i was at syracuse i think except for my first year i think i believe i was actually top 10 at some point my first year but like sophomore junior senior years we were number one like at some point of the year so we always had good teams we were winning basketball games right mm-hmm. in a very tough big east conference it ain't what it is today that ain't the big east that i'm used to um mm-hmm. so i wanted to win a national championship so i came back to school and you know i wanted to be the man i had that in the back of my head but if i could do it all over again in retrospect looking back out and left you know leave when your name is super hot you know you're fresh off a of big east six man Everybody in the world saying you could have started anywhere. You know, if you think about, okay, he's averaging 11 off the bench. He could have probably averaged 18 as a starter. Like, who knows? Or 14, 15 as a starter somewhere. And uh, maybe it would have been viewed a little differently. Ultimately, I still get drafted. But now I get drafted 51st as opposed to potentially being drafted, you know, in the first top, in top 20 after my sophomore year, you know. So if I, I can do it again, like, I definitely appreciate the journey. I appreciate everything that came along with it. 
again the relationships that were that were you know i have a like i feel like because of my four years in syracuse i have a better relationship with coach Beheim than someone who left after their first year mm. i could pick up the phone and call coach bam because he understands like i gave my all to that program you know what i mean like he knows what we've been through he knows what i had to go through etc cetera, etc cetera, you know for, within those four years so the love is a little different he'll love all his guys no matter what but when i go back to syracuse today you know i can't go i still feel like a player i can't go to the mall yeah. and not be asked for a picture and an autograph i'm like damn they still want my autograph like I'm like, you want me to put the number on here, 32 or not? They're like, yep, put the number on there. Like, you know, I've met people who, you know, like shake when they take a picture with me. It's like the love is real. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're like, you, know, you were my favorite player. Uh, like you might. So it's, it's I wouldn't, I, I, I love that. You know, I love mm -hmm. the fact that I could go to Syracuse and still feel that genuine love. Um, but uh, I would leave myself more here if I could do that. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things too is like, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, you, so say you do, what's the guarantee there, right? I mean, it's like life yeah. is life, but it's interesting to go back and reflect, right? And um, we appreciate you, man. And and one of the selfishly, the, the super fun part of doing this podcast, we've been doing it for two years now, um, either connecting with people that we've never met, reconnecting with people we haven't seen in a long time. Some of the people that are my guests have been my best friends or homies for a long time. But someone like yourself, you don't realize what it means to me. You know, I'm a young 24-year-old coach at the Canada Games <laughs> watching you hoop and now you know you're a grown man taking care of grown man things helping grow the game in our country working with the youth and we get to sit and chop it up for a couple of hours yeah, on a man. podcast like that personally that means a lot and that you were willing to, to to just jump in and do it so from a personal note we really appreciate it man and um this has been an amazing episode and i one of the one of the faves for sure for me man i appreciate you guys man it was a no-brainer for me once i saw olga was on there i'm like what is like i can't even remember how i fell up or how, how i found it or what but i'm like olga is the goat i went to church with her you know what i mean like yeah this is like this is insane and um she she's one goat. of the most fierce coaches in montreal history you know and i was always like please don't let me have to go to dawson and be coached by olga but like i was so scared of her you know what i mean <laughs> but she's the most amazing woman ever and um i have nothing but love and respect for her. and i love what you're doing with the show and like i i had to come on here no question i had to and i just appreciate you guys being as willing to let me you know come on man yeah man no we appreciate the love and keep in mind i know we'll get junior on but you know we're west coast guys so we need more montreal we need more you know ontario you know so if you got names or people that you think please let us know, man. Uh, we want the oh, show yeah, to expand no. across Canada and, and let people hear people's different journeys through the, the game that we all love and, and has meant so much to us, you know? No doubt, man. I'll definitely do that, man. I know there's a couple Montreal guys that come to mind. Like if I could get Lou Dort to come on here and talk a little bit, if I could get, you know, a Quincy Guerrier or, a, you know, Ben Maturin, who's probably going to declare for the draft, little things like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. obviously being in Montreal and being, you know, a young OG, you know what I mean? A lot of these kids like looked up to me. It's so weird that's, to say, that's, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, that's where you're at now, my man. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Oh, I'm an old yeah, head like you're a young OG, yeah. <laughs> so I'll try to get on that, man, for real. Because I, I love the show. It was a dope conversation. And like you said, it was fun. It was it was, it was was good to go back down memory lane and think and tell these stories and, you know, just think and talk hoops, man, at the end of the day. So it was dope. I appreciate it. 
Awesome, man. Shout out to our sponsors, um, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. Mr. Joseph, you can tell you've got a great spirit about you and energy. You're going to impact many people for the rest of your life. And we appreciate the last couple hours of you chopping it up with the Hoops Journey, man. An absolute pleasure on our behalf and uh, continued success. Get out West Coast, man. We'll take care of you for yeah. a couple days, show you around, whatever it is you need. Um, and this is what I love about the game is just connecting good people through basketball, man. So continued success and, and health and happiness to you and your family. Much love, my man. Thanks, man. You too. I appreciate it. No worries. Catch us on the next episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, spread the word, tell a friend to tell a friend. An amazing episode. Everyone enjoy the final four this weekend. Um, I'm at the top of my pool right now, and I'm hoping at this point when this episode drops, I'll still be there because I could use the 250 bucks. Be well.